this, the Quintessential Counter-Strike Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Lewis. <laughs> Duncan Thorin Shields is the guest for the 99th time this season. Mate, still, we'll get to this at the end. Because Sam's just put all the fucking Patreon questions in there. I've just seen yeah. the top one. It's just so unreasonable. <laughs> we'll wait till the end. But it's like, we are obliged to say it out loud. But it's so unreasonable. Like, there should almost be like a timeout that that guy gets put on for a month to think about what he's done. Even though well, he is uh, yeah, a legendary yeah, but, contributor, to be fair. Yeah, but Pounder, it, to be fair, he's not as demented as you think he is. No, no, he's trolling. You can tell that. Yeah, but it's just the, the idea it. anyone's going to... The idea I have to sit here while someone reads that question out to me. <laughs> like, that's it. No, I know. It's fucked up. 100%. 100%. That's the world of streaming, um, though, I guess, right? Yeah, it, it will look like one of those fucking videos. Like, they are treating me well. The patrons <laughs> are asking the good questions. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be one of those. Uh, but no, he actually sent me a nice DM, actually, after the eSports Awards. So he is he is a human. I just want to put that out there. He's a normal human being, you know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it is by the numbers time, guys. So we're doing it on a Monday today. Before we get into the show, before we do shout-outs to sponsors and everything else, uh, I do want to just draw your attention to uh, an article. I'm going to put it in the uh, in the, in the chat and in, in Twitch for you. Because uh, obviously I've been doing an, um, a series of articles about, you know, games journalists kind of... Uh, uh, and, and their obsession with attacking esports personalities and esports institutions, uh, and doing it usually by false or mischaracterizing, you know, mischaracterizations in their reporting. So I'm going to put it in the chat now, guys. Uh, I'd really like you to spread this as far and wide as you possibly can. It's got all the receipts in of hypocrisy. I spent a long time researching this, um, and there's going to be one more piece after this, and that should put a oh, pin in it. Oh, is this the and... third part? Right. Yeah, it is the third part. Yeah, I just uh, I was working on it this uh, this weekend, so I took Sunday off to basically get this done. So there you go. Make sure you get it. Uh, make sure you spread them, and, uh, and and get it out there because this I think this is the one that lights the torch paper where they're going to come after me. I think it's also hilarious. Oh, by I can the already way, tell me because you're putting all the shit about the things they said mm. on Twitter. Yeah, you see, but you when you hold up that mirror, <laughs> to, to oh no, that's what will get you wrecked, of course. Yeah, they don't like that very much. Uh, they like to leave their mistakes and transgressions way. I mean, back I'll give everyone a little spoiler. One of my favorite parts I can already see just by scrolling involves an individual called Danny O'Dwyer. Now, oh. here's the funny thing: a lot of people don't know this. Unlike Richard, I'm not hooked into the mainstream of journalism or, or anything in the mainstream. Actually, I just live in my little bubble of esports. I don't know almost anyone else in media, so I only had ever heard of the Danny O'Dwyer guy when I. I think Sir Scoots or something appeared in like a documentary. Did something, he did, something yeah, he did like that, right? Documentary, yeah. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that guy basically said, like, uh, like essentially put pressure on ESL that they could not work with me, otherwise they were basically working with like a racist and a sexist. Oh, yeah, 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 actively called you a racist. And then the ridiculous thing is, literally, like a few months later, someone just went back on his old fucking Twitter account and found that when he joined Twitter, I believe. Like, I think this is when tweet. he joined. His first tweet just said something along the lines of like, "I don't." Oh. It was, "I don't like black people or Muslims." It said. His and very then, first tweet. Listen, I understand that's obviously a joke, but he's one of those people who does not allow these things to be jokes. And what you'll find in this article, I'm going to guarantee, is a bunch of people who deny any context to anyone else and then demand all the context themselves. They are the most ridiculous group of cunts I've ever seen. Games journalists, like fucking hell, they have more balls than he. Like, what's ridiculous <laughs> is games journalists will attack you in a way even real journalists won't, because even the real journalistics don't want to get too much dirt on my name for getting into a petty mudslinging battle. The shit games journalist just goes, what else is there? 
but pay mud slinging battles. You know? No, but but it's it, the, the the key thing with them is they um there has never been a more petty, vengeful, and vindictive group that are that are happy to abuse their platform um that they have oh holy shit uh thanks for the 50 gifted subs by the way don flamenco i really appreciate it man thanks for all your support buddy um what you does know, it mean never... when you get gifted sub like you just basically paid for more than one yeah, sub. yeah he paid for 50 yeah basically subs he gives people. 50 subs to people in the community and what that yeah. then might do you see duncan because you might want to know this if you ever start streaming which i still recommend highly that you do you'll be banned within days but Probably. you should give it a go <laughs> um is that because they get a gifted sub they might think you know what yeah i'd like be a part of this community and have it all of the emotes so uh, what I'll do is I'll keep it and stay part of that community, and then they, you know, when they take it home with the Twitch oh, Prime I or see. whatever. Oh, it's a good concept. Yeah, yeah. so it's so it's, a, it's a way to help grow your community from which is. Yeah, no, definitely so right. I would, I would just be banned within about four days, like you say. Oh, what do I think of Nigel Farage? That's a joke, by the way. For everyone out there who's so <laughs> mentally ill, you thought you got me. That is a joke. Yeah, yeah, we got him. We've got him. He loves Nigel. I've never voted in my life. Yeah. So so anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> there's never been anyone that's more petty or vengeful and spiteful and, and keen to actually abuse what their platform does uh, than games journalists, not even politicians, I would say. And yet they they also are very intent to continually well, mate, lie about fucking... how they they always say they don't have a platform. They, at least politicians you have a platform, like apparently actually they retire don't. when they fucking get disgraced. <laughs> Usually they have the good grace to do it, don't they? <laughs> Like yeah. that's the thing. Actually, I learned about. That I, you true. know what? I myself yeah. learned this. I didn't know what appeasement, what um, impeachment meant. I thought it mm. literally was the process of removing you from office. What I didn't realize is apparently even like Nixon didn't have to leave office. You just do it because when you get literally impeached, which means your own side voted as well. It's like, how can you stay after that? Like you know, you pretty much have to leave. They said that's the thing in their world. They never have to leave, unfortunately, ever. Apparently. No, no, there, there is no impeachment process for games journalists. But anyway, so <laughs> spread, spread, spread. You, you're absolutely right. There yeah. should be one. Exactly. Yeah, I'll let you work on that, mate. You put that. You I'll put get the hashtag going. Yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, we need a hashtag. Is what we need. Uh, I'll let you work on that Resist anyway, mate. Um, yeah, but uh, get that spread far and wide, guys. Really, really uh, appreciate it. Uh, put a lot of work into that, and we'll just timestamp all of this, and we'll skip straight to uh, shout out the sponsors. Com, um obviously sponsor this show sponsor my um youtube channel not that you would know it because we have to call them beep.com sam missed out a beep last time we were walking on thin ice i know God, i let like it slide youtube edited out mate so it was gone oh, did you you're so, so good sam. Right, he, he, so clever. he cares about that money he needs that mm, fucking money exactly. Rich. Well, he does, He's like, not, especially know. with christmas round the corner hey, christmas is coming couple the of sam accidental slips mate <laughs> You might have a bit of a happier time, you know what I mean? It helps the yeah. world. No, no, I, I get will it. say, every time you keep saying their name, that's another potential slip. So I just keep yeah. referring to I listen now. Right. Okay, right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, you know, the Bing Grit sponsors, uh, I think the Carrigan interview will be coming out either today or tomorrow. Uh, so keep an eye for that over on PCS. But do, do support them. If you're ever thinking about placing any... Um, you know, uh, bets on any esports events and you want to do it in a safe environment so you're not going to get wrecked or rolled or you've got to withdraw the money and mysteriously they can't do it that day and then you go in and your account's been closed down for irregularities. You know, we all know the shit that goes on. None of that happens. At so um, definitely go and check it out. They're officially licensed and everything. Uh, and of course, uh, shout out to all the patrons uh, which, uh, which brought the show back from the dead. I don't know what we're going to do for the 100th episode, Duncan. I've been thinking, right? Because I want to turn over a new leaf in 2020. Um, I'm going to be less argumentative on Twitter. I've decided, Duncan, it's not good right. for my health, and it's definitely it not good for the health of the people sure. I wreck. Um, 
So I'm, I'm trying to be better. And I was just thinking the original plan to do a 100th Brazil special where we list all of the transgressions of Brazilian players and Brazilian fans in Counter-Strike ahead of the Brazilian major. Maybe that's just a little bit antagonistic <laughs> and, and needless. I don't know. I, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe we just what do a thing. What would by the numbers we... be without being antagonistic, needless? That is know. true. <laughs> that we wouldn't have a show. You're I agree, right. though. What we'll do is this. Since it's not like right now there's that much going on, it's mainly just from before, we'll just mm. wait until the next time they really, really piss us off, and then we'll just go full war. Okay, yeah, all right. So we'll give them a state of uh, execution. So we do need a, we do need a special 100th episode. Um, I don't know what the I don't know what we'll do for it, but we'll think of something. Hopefully, um, maybe the patrons can suggest something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you fucking do it. Yeah, you just <laughs> What are we doing then? Yeah, we're busy. <laughs> um, you, you lazy assholes. Uh, maybe we could do a collection of all of Biden, Joe Biden's outrageous speeches. <laughs> uh, have you seen the one he's done now? No, no, what's the most recent? seen the clip of him now. I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but you did also tweet out you wanted to do a podcast about anything other than Counter Strike. Please get me out. Uh, well, anyway, he did this. He did this uh, speech where he was, you know, he was out there on the campaign trail, and I'll just read you what he said. He was talking about when he used to work as a pool attendant. Uh, he keeps bringing that up for some reason. I guess it makes him. Where's this going? Fuck it up. Right, well, no, but you tell me, mate. I'll read it word for word for you. Give me a I have, I have hairy legs that turn blonde in the sun, and the kids used to reach in the pool and rub my leg down, and watch the hair come back up again. And I'll tell you what, the men. The guys I worked with down here, they were all guys at the time. I, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> Holy like, shit, he accidentally like veers into sort of like transitioning or something. Yeah, like some sort of weird I don't, mean, I don't know what I, I don't know what's going on there, honestly. I, I think awesome, um, I, I think I think as I've said for 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 most of the campaign trail, I think he's veering into what is clearly easily diagnosable dementia and it has to stop and, and it's not gonna stop. It's 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 getting to the point of absolute awful tragedy but could you just listen to that clip duncan you you listen sounds amazing yeah that's what we can do for the 100th episode i guess like we'll get biden's gaffes there you go anyway look let's talk about one event that we can just get the fuck out of the way because it has effectively become meaningless in the calendar uh dreamhack winter also took place yeah, i know you wouldn't believe it um but dreamhack winter took place at the same time as ecs and uh, motherfuckers out there forgot about Dre. <laughs> Nobody cared. Um, so I'm just gonna um, I'm just gonna remind you guys about what happened because I know none of you watched it. So uh, anyway, uh, the big story coming out of there was that the teams that went were that uh, that were uh, Mask Kalk, good team Swedish, Heroic, uh, a Finnish team called SJ. Furia, so guy on if anyone knows that guy. The guy yeah, that was yeah, be exactly. Before um, Furia. God sent, crazy with a four, tricked, and Forza. So a solid tier two event. Um, and uh, for me, the, the big story here is that kind of Forza went through and won it. And Furia and Heroic and Crazy, the three teams you might have thought were in with a chance, didn't even make it to the final. Didn't even fucking get close to the final. Um, I, I'll be honest, I watched the Furia uh, Forza game, that Furia lost, and that is the only game. By the way, I, I didn't watch this. this tournament. I, I was obviously yeah. watching the other one and doing yeah, work, same, but yeah. I saw a clip from that game. Everyone was loving yeah. it. That one where that Jerry guy did a 1v5 mm -hmm. on the piss round. Now, here's the problem, right? Yeah. From his end, well done, mate. You did it perfectly. The, what the fuck the Furia players were doing in this round? Like, I'm not normally one of those guys who goes ham on that <laughs> angle of, like, 
Like, you know, like, for example, people like Lopez, Yankor, they always claim, right, that you shouldn't go too ham about, like, 1VXs because they say, you know, the other team has yeah, to Yeah, because the opponents had to make a yeah. series of mistakes. But, but I always tell them, like, yeah, in theory, but the point is humans make mistakes all the time. So you're also making that, like, unreasonable standard, right? The problem is this one I can't defend at all. Like, it's almost no. like these players, I'm not saying they're literally thrown, but they, like, the level of stupidity and how they played the round out is unbelievable. Like, the guy is on terrorist side nuke with a fucking Glock against people who have USPs and they're just rushing him like almost one at a time just letting yeah. him just fucking headshot him it's mental it's so unreal like what like the idea anyone like Astralis could ever lose this round it could never happen in a million years I mean the ridiculous situation uh that, that we've seen Fury kind of get themselves into I, it's very it's very hard to kind of put a finger on how far they've fallen since the last ECS which is where they had their rise and they were sure. able to beat Astralis uh, to where they are now it's actually crazy because they've they've sure they've they've made a roster change that in theory should strengthen them and they just don't look anything like the team that burst into the top five back then and it's kind of like you look at how everything went so quickly they burst into the top five they're an exciting team everyone's talking about them everyone's raving about them the management come out five-year contracts by the way stories are coming out about how mibr wanted them but couldn't get them uh, which, by the way, is is, is true. Uh, it's not idle chit-chat. And then, just slowly but surely, we've just had to watch them kind of, like, just ebb away to the point where they're not really anything special at all, and I can't understand what's gone on there. I don't understand why, like you say, in situations that are eminently winnable, they suddenly look like shadows of themselves. I don't understand why Yuri, who looked like a guy that maybe even could potentially eclipse K. Serato as a talent, is kind of, like, dropped off. I don't understand how all of the exciting, aggressive tactics that they were implementing suddenly don't seem to be in their playbook. It's like, if you look at Furia today... You know, and again, I'm, I'm specifically talking about this Forza series. If you go watch that, and then you compare it to the Furia that we all were raving about when they burst out of DCS, doesn't look like the same team at all. And I cannot figure out for the life of me where that's happened. I mean, I definitely know what you mean. The thing is, like, they're one of those teams that, like, they had the one result, which is the Star Ladder result, was pretty good. But aside from that, like, I agree. The idea, forget the idea you didn't win DreamHack Winter. Mm. The idea you didn't get out of the group. What the yeah. fuck? You didn't even have the best group necessarily. Like, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I'll I think you actually had the easier group. Like, mm. remember, everyone like... Well, whatever, I won't go into that. But basically, the basic point is, like, I agree. The problem that makes the Furia team underwhelming is the idea that you can do results like that. Like, you have one that looks positive and then one that's absolute shit on, like, a totally unacceptable level. Like, an unbelievably bad level. And I, mm. I agree with you. They've lost all the sort of vigor that they had as a team. Like... Yeah. I can obviously say Henny is a better opera than fucking Abel J, but that's one of the reasons I always tell people don't ever fuck with chemistry. Because when you have chemistry, that guy might be a worse player, but maybe he's better in your system. I don't know. Like, I haven't analyzed the team enough to know whether that's true, but it certainly lines up with it. So the problem I have with them is they can still be exciting in matches, but like, what reason would you give that they're going to be a top team? What, what are they going to do that's going to make them break through? Everyone will just default like they always do to the usual of like, they could just develop. It's like, all right, mate, yeah, you go, you go for it then. You, you just believe stuff will happen and then like that. You can also get worse. I know it's people never think about. Mm. You can get worse all the time, boys. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just bizarre because I think, obviously, like you say, you know, adding Henny to the team's like, it's such an upgrade in terms of firepower and, and consistency. But if you look at what how that's been translating to results for them, 
you know, they, they don't have any results worth talking about apart from like maybe one or two series where you go, okay, yeah, that's like something they would have achieved, you know, four or five months ago anyway. It's just bizarre. And, and I, don't, I don't know if it's a chemistry thing. I don't know if there's some other stuff going on in the periphery. You know, put it this way, if I was, if I was uh, a player like Kay Serato or, or again, Yuri, who I still think is a good prospect, a good talent, the idea of still being like, weighed down by those five-year contracts, which is some of the most sort of unconscionable contracts I think I've ever heard about in Counter-Strike, um, you know, really strengthens the the org's position almost universally across all of the verbiage within it. Any five-year contract in esports does that. Uh, it just seems kind of crazy to me that um, that that maybe maybe that's playing a part because you know the the, the drop off does sort of coincide with the manager coming out to the forefront and saying these guys are never leaving. We're working on a project here. We got a five year contract. Yes, we stopped them going OMIBR. I just don't think that's going to put anyone in like a great headspace. That when you know when things are bad, the exit door isn't just fucking out of sight. You know it's out of sight, bolted shut, got chains on it. And, and, and you're stuck having to work with what you've got to work with for uh, until the org decides otherwise. I don't know if, that's, if you think that's a fact. I'd even, I agree with all that. I, I, would, I, I would throw in as well, the thing that I think makes their position even tougher is that it's not like MIBR's setting the world alight. So obviously every MIBR fan hopes Yuri or fucking Kesaratos the next player to join MIBR. So mm. every time Fury underperforms, that is what people, even Brazilian fans, are going to think. So they can't even really cheer you on like they used to the old Immortals team. It's like, well, they're not the best at Brazilian team, but hey, they're cool, you know. It's a place for people to play. Like, actually, everyone's just going to be hating on you, as far as I can tell, for the next five years. That sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, and then the other, uh, you know, no pun intended, obviously, the, the other crazy thing was that, I, you know, I thought Crazy were a good shout for this, too. Um, I, you know, I know, sure, they lost Nexa and Hunter to G2, but I, but I still think they've been doing well enough to certainly make it to the final of a tournament of this size. No, no doubt about it. But again, they, they, they weren't able to translate that. And, and uh, there, was a, there was an interview in Frag, on Fragbyte, uh, and I know you saw it because I think you commented on the Reddit thread to get your 9 to 1 uh, <laughs> up there. Uh, and Esperanto basically just said, yeah, when we lost Nexa and Hunter, we lost all the firepower in the team. And I was like, fucking hell, it's a bit brutal, mate. Like, sure, maybe you are being real about it he's not the most like, tactful player as far as i know <laughs> no no i mean we, we know that's a character part of his characteristics anyway but i mean like what does that say about the team he's playing with i mean keep in mind you know you did bring ships into the team he's somebody that he's i think is well regarded yeah exactly and and while they're still in this situation where they're playing with Emmy, the former coach, you know, I don't even consider this to honestly kind of be the lineup's final form as to where it can get to. So it does seem a little bit harsh, but it, but it is a fair assessment. Crazy or another team that have had this, like, you know, they broke out Nexer and, and Hunter with the kind of standout, uh, you know, stars, uh, and then they <coughs> go away, and now Crazy are kind of just plummeting down, you know, back into obscurity and 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 i still think they've got good players on the books you know esperanto i think he's a bit of a bell end but he, you know he's undoubtedly a, a talented prospect and as i said i don't think they've got a full five yet so i think the fact that they can still get results while this emmy dude is in the team um who i absolutely think they need to replace long term um yeah i, th I think there's still enough there that they shouldn't be despondent no, no, the basics here, uh, like, this just looks like the team before they made the other squad fully in. Like, all you have mm. to do, as he, as as Esperanto's obviously nailed there, find another talent in FPL, bring them in. 
remove one mm. of the others, you're already along the way because like, I, I think there's a few people in that team have some potential. I'd say their problem in this tournament, if you're just looking from the surfaces, I see they lost to Tricked. Now, everyone loves to tell me how ultra shit Hunden is. Correctly, he's an appalling CSGO player. But I tell you what, at the level he plays at, he may as well be fucking Professor X. He can be in a wheelchair using his mind to fucking move all the objects. Around. Like, like where I've no doubt a team like Crazy... Is just, <laughs> exactly, doing his segment. Well, a, a, a team like Crazy, I've no doubt because of the players they have, are playing something of, an, of a POG style. They're just playing yeah. basic tactics, right? Good luck doing yeah. that against at your level, the Astralis of your level, basically. Enjoy. Yeah. Because Hunden's going to have yeah. his teams prepped. That's the whole reason he's got a job still. Respect um, to it. And then the, the the winner, you know, we'll, we'll tip our hat to Forza, the, the Russian team. Uh, they're a very odd, uh, you, you know, kind of roster for me. I, I think, um, well, you know, I see them go to these lands and more often than not, they make it to the final if they don't win. And they take a lot of big scalps on the way. And then you try and follow them online and they 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 perform terribly. They can lose to anyone, mate. Oh, yeah, they, and do. <laughs> like very often they lose to teams that you just haven't um uh heard of but um they definitely have some you know talented people on the roster a lot of people like this extra power everyone raves about about him i i think there's a little bit more to forza than that but i really cannot figure them out as a roster they seem to be wildly inconsistent except when it gets to these tier two lands when it's almost like they think well fuck it like We'll 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 knuckle down and we'll win these like no no problem. They they play in an online series as soon as the event's over. They lose to some Russian shitters you've never heard of. So I don't know if that's an indictment about online Counter Strike and some of the shenanigans that goes on, or if it's an indictment about Forza, honestly. But they they seem to be a team that's been knocking on the door to get into that top fifteen, maybe kick up, get you know, be knocking on the door of a top ten for a while, which would be a huge achievement for them, especially in the CIS region where we all know. Um, sponsorship and support isn't what it should be, considering the you know plethora of talent they have out there. But uh, the, the, uh, what I what I fully expect to happen now is they've they've won a they've won a sizable tournament, uh, and they'll probably go back to doing nothing online for you know a month or two, and then go to a Copenhagen games and win that or something. Yeah, I agree. Like one of the things I like about the Forza team is like I've I haven't watched them at this tournament, but I watched them when they were at the major. Uh, well. Mm. trying to make it into the next stage of the major and some of the smaller lands in the past obviously they were at that blast pro series when they made the final i actually think they're a team that has potential like they look pretty solid like they, first of all if you followed cis counter-strike except for the teams around the legendary in-game leaders most of them have no fucking clue what they're doing tactically this team doesn't look terrible like they actually look pretty mm. decent so they remind me sort of when a vanguard first started to rise up i've got a bit of that yeah, feel about them. So, so i don't i don't write off the idea they could keep getting better and potentially reach top 10 they've got reasons that they could i would say mm. this in fact with where they are because i still think their profile is tiny because like you say look at the tournaments that they're coming to and winning or making the final unfortunately the tournaments people don't watch i mean in this case literally don't watch because you're watching a different tournament at the time i would just say this if teams out there i know there's a lot of orgs coming in the counter-strike want to go out there and get instead of making your own squad jason lake style and until this lineup only being able to get this one good player here this one sort of good player and then you have to put three players that just washed them all bad just get this whole team. I doubt it's super expensive. I don't know what the Russian contract they're on is, but their org is not a massive esports org. So I would just no. say, like, this is this wouldn't be a bad bang for your buck if you could get them at a reasonable price to get a team like this. Obviously, you'd have to do a lot with the market wise, but just in game, there's something there. I'd also say as well, 
even though their org, like the actual Twitter account, talked shit to me when I said something about them not making the next stage of the major, I will say, as far as I can tell from remembering like the actual interviews the players did, they seemed very respectful players, actually. They seemed like players who credited when people beat them in better, etc. Like, that's actually a, a, a step up in itself. Like, uh, most players at that level are pretty bitter, actually, sadly, and they always think they're undervalued and they should be better and stuff. So they actually seem like they're, they're screwed on the right way. I like them as a team, generally. Yeah. So that was uh, DreamHack Winter. I mean, again, just some general <coughs> thoughts if you if you want to even get into this. Well, topic. for people who don't know, DreamHack Winter used to literally be a major for the first two years of CSGO having majors. Exactly. That's the level yeah. of skill we were at. Problem is, I can tell you, like, listen, I'm excluding the people who went to the event who are talent now, obviously. Nobody in esports who works in the industry wants to go to a DreamHack summer or winter again because the place it is held is basically in the middle of nowhere. There is nothing to do. It's almost like one of those jokes when they make it about like some small American town, like, you know, it has like one fucking bar and it closes up. You know, it's like that. Like there's nothing going on in Yonshipping. I'm sorry, it's just not mm. a place for, for partying, quite frankly. Now, what's funny is that makes it totally appropriate as a giant land party. Great, let all the nerds go there and just have, have fun drinking fucking energy drinks or whatever. The problem is, if you actually work in the esports industry, mate, we can have events in Madison Square Garden now. I don't want to fucking go to Yon Shipping Elmia ever again in my life. Same with fucking Seabit Hanover. Like, I'm glad I'm past that phase of my life, you know. I hope I never have to go back. I'm like fucking Robert De Niro at the end of Heat Spoiler. I'm never going back. <laughs> That's all you need to know. No, no. It, it's, it's a tough one for me. Not that Greg Haddle hunt me down and kill me in a fucking airplane. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, for, for for me, okay, it's it's kind of like, I remember with the first kind of DreamHack winters that I was going to when I was back back doing, uh, you know, the, the beat as a journalist. <coughs> and you're absolutely right. It was like, you knew it was an unreasonable destination to have to get to. But it kind of felt like it was a pilgrimage because yeah. it was the biggest land party in the world. That's I mean, it literally cool was that at one point. Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, like I'm trying to think when my first one was. I want to say 2009 or, you know, something like that. Um, we, you know, we, we, we had to fly in to fucking Stockholm or whatever it was. And then you have to fucking get a fucking bus that's like however many hours in the middle of the night. Yeah, to, to to drive all the way to fucking Yon Sherping because it's like the Bible Belt of Sweden. There's like literally fuck all there. By the time you arrive, generally Yon Sherping is closed. The entire place you have to like wake up the hotelier, the the front desk to get into any hotels or anything. Everything's unbelievably expensive. You want a fucking taxi to take you up a fucking hill, like just a five minute drive. That's easily fifty, sixty euros. You know, maybe, maybe even more. Um, you can't get booze, <laughs> so, you know, it's very, it's, it's a dry venue, the entire venue, you can't have alcohol on the premises, which is a fucking nightmare, especially if you're a fucking functional alcoholic that works in esports, which is everyone who works in esports. So yeah, it's kind of a shame, but, but still, I think people would go to it out of respect to the pedigree and the history of, of, of DreamHack. If it kind of could just be more competitive with pricing, with spectacle, but it really can't anymore. And and I and I think it's kind of sad what's happened to DreamHack. Uh, you know, DreamHack kind of like had its last hurrah in 2015, I want to say, and it's kind of been going downhill ever since to the point where what was as you said, one time a major, you know, not just once but twice, is now completely irrelevant, really. 
in the Counter-Strike calendar and is just something for the smaller teams to do to go win a little bit of pocket money. It's kind of sad. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if we're ever going to get to a point where Dream, you know, in the next year or two, where DreamHack might close up shop or shut down some of the Feels more traditional events. kind of. Yeah, it, in a way it does. But then again, I don't know how much money they make from the LAN party aspect. Like, I always thought iSeries was going to go under at some point. Instead, multiplayer got bought, made a bunch of millions, and now the iSeries is propped up by having Yogg's cast go there or whatever, you know? So maybe it'll just transition into being something else. I don't really know enough about the financial particulars. But it does feel like the dream hack that we knew um, is, is essentially dead, and, and what we've got now is, it isn't... Because it doesn't even have the same edge or the no, same No, no, that's actually the, the worst yeah. thing about it, is, like, for people who don't know... The coolest thing about DreamHack is back then, they were everything ESL wasn't. ESL exactly. were the people who thought you had to be a stuffed shirt to make it at all in esports. To be fair, ESL were working with some of the biggest sponsors in the world. I get it. They just didn't know like we could actually have our own flavor. And the DreamHack approach was, well, we've just got a massive LAN party and we put on the tournaments from that. So we're more like a fun vibe. Like, in fact, I would even describe it as a sort of like, mixture of like nerd and hippie culture or something because if you know mm. the people behind it robert olin etc these were people who that was their ethos you know that was the kind of the, the logic they had so and in fact that's one of the reasons why i mean i can't speak for richard but i know that i was always like welcomed with open arms by dream i actually used to think yeah. they were sort of kindred spirits you know sadly i will say that whole element for me even before the business died died as soon as politics became so prevalent over the last few years because unfortunately it's one of those things where I never changed, but the other people, once they found out what you they think you think or whatever they think, <laughs> everyone went mental, didn't they? So now those people have just completely turned against us in that regard, which, by the way, if anyone thinks has nothing to do with why they fuck over Richard, etc., you live in a fucking dream world that's also tied into that sort of a thing. Yep. And so sadly for me, I'm not saying this to hate on them. Like, I'm sure the land party part's still good if you're a kid and you're in Sweden, but... It doesn't have, like, the, the eSports side contains none of the spirit of what I considered DreamHack, which used to be, I thought, a really cool thing. I have to say, the saddest thing is, they're like the cliche. They sold out literally to the man in eSports, and they were the ones that got changed. If anything, the ridiculous thing is ESL came more towards their bloody way and met them in the middle. Yeah. I, what was super sad, what what, what happened with, uh, you know, Robert Hall, and, and for, for those oh, people tragic. who don't know... Yeah, like I wrote an article about it way back when. If that's going to be one of the up. points where it started to die out, right? Oh, I mean that that for me, the, the, yeah, that's ground, <coughs> that's ground zero uh, for me. Like basically, what happened was Robert Olin, who was like the kind of you know founder of DreamHack, the guy that you know it, he kind of steered the ship, made it what it was. You, you used to be very hands on, He's an amazing character as well. Yeah, hell, just a wild <coughs> eccentric, you know, really fun guy to be around. He was embroiled in some issues domestically, and so what he did was he transferred uh, his shares of the company over to his father because he suspected that something was going to happen that might mean he might have to give them up. So if he didn't have ownership of them, he wouldn't have to give them up. So he transferred them across to his father and said, look after these until I get free and clear of these domestic issues. And then um, when the domestic issues had sort of petered out or looked like it wasn't going to go the way he thought, he said, right, can I get my shares back? And his dad went, nah, I'll be keeping these actually i run the company now and you're fucking fired you cunt like somehow um, that fucking smallville tv show you know where they had like lex yeah. luther's dad was always wrecking him or whatever like, what the fuck is this shit where they're all just doing hostile takeovers every week 
Um, and then basically what happened was all of the staff at DreamHack, all of the people that Robert Olin had basically employed and given their starts to, all turned around and instead of standing with Robert Olin, they they completely fucking betrayed him. And that said, was so yeah. outrageous. That was yeah, so outrageous. You know, and and th these are the guys, by the way, the same dudes who, you know, the, when, when I talk about the grudges Hellspawn had, and that's why he put out that twit longer about the loader incident, which was a complete fabrication. Um, the 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 reality is as well a lot of the people at dreamhack held a grudge with me because i was robert olin's boy he gave me my first fucking hosting job ever he was the guy you know in 2013 i was interested in doing desk work because i've been doing podcasts and stuff and dreamhack dreamhack had explicitly said uh it's one thing if you do it for like um you know some of our smaller events but you're just not good enough to do it for cs which is the classic is a big which is a big thing so they said i would never be a consideration to be talent for dreamhack and then of course i went on to host almost everything for them like even heroes of the storm it was robert olin who fucking pushed me uh into what it was robert olin who was basically my champion while the likes of gray khan and people like that didn't didn't want me at all so when robert wasn't at the company anymore and i was still working at dreamhack which probably on principle i shouldn't have been but back then I needed the money and I needed the status to kind of like climb the, climb the ladder to get to where I wanted to be. So I made a decision to sort of, you know, I, I, I do think I remember asking Robert if he was okay with it. And uh, he said he didn't have an issue with it. But any, but that was back when we talked. Uh, but, but anyway, yeah, I mean, those guys did have a massive problem with it because I was the one that, you know, essentially broke that story. I was the one that put the interviews with Robert Olin out there. I was the one that was very vocal saying this is a disgrace and this is essentially the death of DreamHack as we know it. So I had, I had this very uneasy working relationship with them. And, 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 and then if you ever wonder why they were very quick to throw me under the bus when the loader thing went down, that's why. <laughs> because there was all this baggage in the, in the background. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that for me was the, the point where it all changed because they went from being a company that wasn't afraid to take risks uh, and, and, and wasn't afraid to do things a little bit edgy, a little bit different. And they went to being another fucking spreadsheet bean counter company oh, that just actually, wanted to make money in esports <laughs> and ended up selling uh, to MTG. One thing to chuck on there as well. I will absolutely hear categorically stick. I have not been to a DreamHack event since I think... I think I did the first Malmourne, that was it. So I think we're going to say like, I think it was April of 2016. I haven't done any dream hacks since then on location. So I don't mm. know what's happened in the years since, but I will say this, another reason why it never made sense to me that they tried to pivot into like, let's make money from esports. I know, is because yeah. one of the things a lot of people didn't know that was the dirty secret of DreamHack was that all the fucking people behind the scenes who were working, doing stuff at DreamHack events were volunteers. And they used to just get bought like some fucking beers at the bar at the end of the day. And they would all, you if they all had one of those DreamHack sh shirts on, I was told you're a volunteer basically. And I would ask mm. the, like, I remember asking this girl, like, why the fuck would you volunteer to like put up scaffolding and work at an event for four days though? You know, it's like a job that should get paid. And she was like, yeah, but you know, the community and it's fun. And you know, I'm getting to like experience something. And I just remember thinking, like, is this a fucking cult or something or, or an actual company? So I hope those people eventually got paid and got like fucking jobs, etc. Because the idea that right up till 2016, I think it was 2015, I remember them still doing that. The idea in 2015, you're still running game like that, using basically like free labor, and then you're trying to make money off that. Come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're having a laugh. Yeah. 
Uh, but that, that was that was part of it. Like back when Robert was there, I I don't, I don't think people minded because you always he always made up for it in other ways, right? It wasn't like you didn't have this employer employee relationship uh, when you were working at DreamHack. You know, it was like, listen, we've all got a job to do. We're all like a family. You know, whatever contrivance you want to use, and they would just like grind through these events, which were huge mammoth undertakings. But then at the end, the fucking parties, the the, the benefits that you got. You know, Robert knew everyone in the town. You know, he's got the key to Yon Sherping. Yes. Like literally, he could actually keep shit open when it was closed, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like he could walk into a hotel lobby and go, listen, we're, this is a private party where we're we're doing stuff down here don't disturb us and everyone would be like fuck it it's you know it's robert olin right so so it, it did lose a lot when 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 he went away and um honestly like you know he was never the same guy afterwards because how yeah, would you be i think that broke him unfortunately didn't it well i mean imagine it it's like some it's game of thrones it, yeah. shit it's like some game of thrones shit like your own fucking father usurps your kingdom <laughs> you know um and for people uh, who don't know really like sad. how old is robert olin mid 40s at the time or something Oh yeah, yeah, they've been mid mid forties. For people who don't realise, who were just fans out there, like, well, why did why would that break? It's like uh, if you're forty five and that was your life's legacy, you don't just start over and just do another totally different field and go in that. Like, unfortunately, that was what you were building up. That was the thing that you thought would represent you in the end, and probably yeah, but not you know, not just not just going. that though. The worst part about it is he gets usurped just before the MTG deal. Oh, there we go. So all of those shares actually trans because what did it get bought for? Was it like sixty million euros or something? I think I thought it was yeah, it could have been around that number. Yeah, I think it was was between forty and sixty million euros. I can't remember; it was a long time ago. But basically, had he, you know, he his shares would have translated to that value, and. not anymore because you don't have any shares you know so the the sale went ahead without him and he he, he received literally no benefits for from from the company he built no oh, and by the way i'll just say as well i actually also want to add another thing that was also awesome about robert olin and what he embodied at dreamhack was when i mm. did the first major dreamhack winter 2013 right i didn't if you go back do a lot of banter like i didn't banter the players march but i did some like I had some funny stories and I had a little bit of edge to it. And obviously I didn't wear the fucking suit, etc. And so I was doing a little bit of flair. I can tell you, he literally took me aside after that event and was like, I fucking love this. Like you'd be on might be more outrageous. Like just go fucking ham on this. So I even thought yeah. brilliant. Like I said, kindred spirits. And I'll say, we're, we're saying all this complimentary stuff, by the way, even though, I mean, to be fair, I don't think he's ever addressed me, but he, unfortunately he basically also sort of in his darkest moment turned against Richard and said some pretty fucking heinous shit. So again, yeah, he I just did. Count that as you know, speaking people go a bit. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't hold that against him and I, and I never will um, because of everything he did for me. And it's like, listen, you know, um, after everything he went through uh, and, and then it was kind of like, you know, you've got to occupy your mind somehow to get away from, like you say, the darkness and the bad shit. And to, you know, for a lot of people, I, I honestly think, this new wave of politics combined with being political on social media i think in a lot of ways it's replaced religion you know for a lot of people and um you know i think he was i think he was one of those guys who because he was going through so much personal stuff he went down that rabbit hole and, and once you go down that rabbit hole you know you might it might take you years to come come back to the light i mean shit i was halfway down myself i was probably losing my goddamn mind sure. too at one point i'm pretty sure if i went back and looked at some of my videos at 2016 I, I think i was on the threshold of maybe you know not not being critical rational you know not being who who i oh i definitely you know, retweeted some stuff that when i think back now it's just like 
Yeah, you know that what was, I mean. That was a bit too. That was a bit rough. <laughs> yeah, no, but 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 it is, isn't it? It's because it kind of. But we're all susceptible to it. The the idea that that um you know oh, we're, we're the intelligent ones. So it's like hypnosis, isn't it? It's always the person in the room that says, um, "Oh, hypnosis would never work on me. I'm too I'm too intelligent for that." And they're always the first to go under because they're the imaginative guys. They're the suggestive ones. I kind of feel that social media and politics is a little bit like that. You think you won't get sucked in and you can have this objective view. But when it's all you consume every day, you don't realize that you are under. You, 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 know, you are under the spell. And you end up retweeting stuff and believing stuff that actually isn't that important. Like, you know, like for, for probably for about a year. And Sam could probably attest to this because he was obviously helping out with the with the content, but he's too much of a stoner to really give too much of a fuck. You know, he doesn't. He he's not glued on Twitter every day watching a politics feed or whatever. You know, but um, you know, there was probably a moment where the cult the culture war or whatever the fuck you want to call it felt like really super significant. Yeah. It, it, in a way that realistically it isn't, because no. now I know that the average person doesn't give a fuck. You know, now I know yeah. that the conversation that you have on Twitter is so divorced from the real world if you just go outside and talk to people. It's I think like I've said on this some show. content back then that was, uh, you know, I wouldn't be proud of. I'm pretty sure I've said on this show even, like, one of the reasons, one of the moments, literally, that made me realize, like, this is almost like I'm in, I'm playing fucking Dungeons and Dragons here. Like, oh, nobody except nerds knows what the fuck I'm talking about with this level four de power demon in the dungeon. Like, they're going, uh, sorry, I don't, what you're referring to is that yeah. i remember uh i think i can't remember who it was in america i met some american guy who told me he was a democrat voter right and so i said oh come on you seem like a reasonable guy what do you think of that as alexandria ocasio cortez and he goes who and i go you're having a fucking joke are you and he goes who the fuck is that and i realized to even explain it She's not actually even that important a person in politics. She just mm. gets on a lot of the Twitter shit and a lot. Of, so like, I realized in that moment, like, holy fuck, I thought that was important. I thought it was important to keep up with what she was saying and to know what the arguments are against it. And if any, you met anyone, they pro they probably fuck with that, et cetera. And there's this side and that. There isn't. There isn't. Yeah. Like, that's just, that we're LARPing basically if you do that too hardcore. Yeah. And and so, so, so you know, when when it started happening to, actually, it's probably it happening as as, as severely as it did to uh, to Robert, that it kind of made me think, actually, wait, you know, is this, it, it, is this happening to me too? Because for those who don't know, he basically said I was a fascist and uh, called me a mini Mussolini and said he wouldn't ever um, associate again with me, which was like, obviously really sad because, you know. I mean, the implication was he thought you were a Trump supporter, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I but it was wasn't. It, 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 it very quickly spiraled. Right. It wasn't okay. just like because it wasn't just um, you're anti-Hillary, you're Trump supporter. It, it like went from you know it went straight to fascism, and, and I got called him. You know, the saddest and, thing about that was he always mm. had that wild streak in him. That's actually what everyone loved about him in the community. Like for everyone who doesn't know, yeah. the infamous show that none of you have ever fucking watched because you don't do research called fucking unfiltered where i made mm -hmm. my now infamous comments about poland which by the way for that show were about as fucking tame as anything anyone said on that show in most episodes like yeah, they used true. to just have motherfuckers like destiny going off every episode like they, they that's the same show where i think too good just joked like so scooch is a pedophile <laughs> yeah, at the is, time yeah. in esports no one did anything no one there was no problems in there so all i'll yeah, tell yeah. you is this right on that show, I remember Robert Olin coming a bunch of times. Who definitely had a few brandies before. Oh man, just saying ridiculous. Like he would, <laughs> he would literally make like four chan level jokes, like Hitler did nothing wrong. And then everyone no, on the show would be going, "Fuck you!" I don't know about that, Robert. Everyone would be trying to talk him down, like, "Well, 
You're just joking there, you know, any just defend a ridiculous position. So, unfortunately, I could totally see how that imagination, when it goes dark, it's going to go dark as well. Yeah, it was, again, like, it, it, it's a different time. I think, I honestly think Chaman took down a lot of those videos, but I've always said, like, if any, if any of these fucking, uh, I'm sorry, I nearly did a Tony Montana, if any of these fucking cockroaches, <laughs> games journalists want to fucking go through and actually do hit pieces on anybody in esports, you don't have to look at our Twitter feed, you just go fucking watch Unfiltered, and every episode is a treasure trove of outrageous uh, cancellations. Um, so yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it, but anyway, you, you, back to, back to the point, like, I just think, um, you know, he went through like more than I could ever sort of conceive of. And, you know, you got to do what you got to do to survive when you're in that kind of situation. And, and if he, if he needs to distance himself from people and, um, essentially get a hobby, I, I, I guess you would call it to, to focus his mind on, I don't hold that against uh, anybody. This isn't like some random, you know twitter pleb calling me a fascist because one time i retweeted ben shapiro or something this is this is this is this is a dear friend that gave me my start in esports helped me get on television um and as and, and helped pave the way for the career i enjoy today he can say what the fuck he wants about me and i'll take it on the chin you know that's just how that works but anyway yeah dream hack it's 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 a sad sad story i think i don't know if it'll go under we'll have to see but um i think they should probably uh scale back on the tour i guess that segues into a bit of news they did just announce actually while we're talking about dream hack that they're, they're doing an event in delhi which um i've said this before on the show uh india is considered Maybe such a, well it's considered such a big market um because obviously for those who don't know economically because i know there's a lot of people that sort of mock india and and uh, everything else india obviously i think for the is it for the last two years produced the most billionaires that was um, one right Could in, be. in 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 the world they the problem with india isn't isn't that it lacks wealth it's that it there's a huge disparity um and that's uh linked to all sorts of endemic corruption and 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 which is why problems. it's considered a joke though because what happens is sure, yeah. as you're saying someone thinks india that's an emerging market it's got all sorts of things going on there oh that'll be what this tournament's got big money let's go and then inevitably yeah. you go and those were the scammers those weren't the real people who had money you get fucked so unfortunately like well as it happens with the too um, many Indian... stories isn't there yeah, the Indian Games Carnival, <coughs> which definitely set the esports back um, in in India. But there's been a couple of events now, um, and and uh, you know, and, and a couple of moves. You know, you obviously remember Optic India and how that worked out. But basically, you know, now that South America is kind of becoming like a conquered territory in terms of you know we're getting infrastructure in there for esports. We've got an audience there. We can actually turn a profit on an event out there now. Uh, India is going to be the next desirable place because um you know very easy to get things done it's not like in america where fire codes labor codes you gotta have a union you gotta have union workers build your rigs you know all of these like legislative issues to make sure stuff gets done properly and safely in certain countries you can grease palms and get things done quicker and bigger and better for a fraction of the price um, and that's just, again, that's a dirty little secret about our industry industry in general and why we choose certain countries globally around the world to, 
to have our events in. But the the other thing, of course, is there is a first now in India among the fans. You know, esports is emerging. Access to technology is growing. More and more people are playing online games uh, in India. Uh, and and as the cost to to have access to that technology is decreased, you know, it's it's spreading out very much like what's going on in China with automobiles and stuff. Um, so. I, I I think it's a good it's a good market to move into, but I also kind of think it's indicative of kind of the direction I expect DreamHack to maybe take, and that is that it's going to focus on this global tour. But I think some of the more prestigious events, especially the ones in Sweden, because Sweden is outrageously expensive, uh, I think they'll start to fall by the wayside. And I think in a couple of years we'll probably see DreamHack have like one event in Sweden, just because it's where they're based as a company. When in the past. I've said, because I've, I've pointed to this, like, basically, I've tried to be the just bearer of the, the future times in this sense. It was obvious about two years ago that as all the other properties in esports battle for the calendar and try to expand mm. and take up more and more space and just not let anyone else have any events, as you've seen here, DreamHack Winter, former premier event, gets absolutely cocked by a theory a company within the same fucking parent company that shows you that they don't even have power to request that that doesn't happen so one of the problems is it was always the case that dreamac was going to be like the little guy in the fight as it were but it's worse now because when you hear the stories about the upcoming landscape of the next year or two the name that might be like well it's you can take over it's never dreamhack it's blast or it's esl or it's someone else so the idea is uh, i think dreamhacks unfortunately hit that critical mass where it's not even like the others might succeed and beat them. If the others don't, someone else will come in, take that spot and take over. Like DreamHack cannot be the one, as far as I can tell, where ever dominates the scene and becomes number one. It's got no chance. Mm. There's no reason it would. Mm. Uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll wrap that up. Uh, we, we spent a, a disproportionate amount of time on it. The big event, ECS. Uh, and what an event it was. Uh, had a had a, a lot of fun uh, watching ECS. I want to definitely take my hat off just to to face it in in general for that event. Everything went smoothly. Everything went on time. I didn't see any uh, tech issues. Uh, they they had an interesting cross section of talent, including Get Right uh, was on the desk. I didn't get to see him while he was out in Vegas because I've been too busy. Uh, but um, you know, I I, I felt um, I felt Get Right considering it's only his second time on a desk. Is it? That sounds about right. Yeah, I, 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 um, I think uh, you know he's still learning some pacing, but I thought his insights were really, really good. And I, you know, I, I wanted to bring him in as uh, on the desk uh, with Forrest back when we were doing E League, is kind of and, and have them do some guest segments there. Uh, when Nip obviously wasn't in the majors, it, it was going to be a big thing. We were going to have like, oh, Nip finally made it to the major and reveal we we're going to have Forrest and get right, do some analysis segments because I think both of them will transition into that role very easily with the minds they have for the game and the way that they're able to talk. Um, so I thought he, I thought he did, I thought he did well. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, so I thought overall, a uh, very good event. I'll give you but... one note though, because on the get right mm. topic, I keep it real, mate. Here's the okay. thing, right? I said this on Twitter. This just shows, this is where people make themselves look like a fucking joke, right? People can't stop telling me on Reddit that fucking pimp should never be allowed to be on a desk because of his accent. Hmm. Now, get right, to this day, has almost never improved in his English accent since I knew him 10 years ago. Now, luckily, I don't get triggered by accents. I myself tune into their accent and then 
I've made up the difference, no problem. And especially yeah. if they're likable guys, like get right, like Pimp. They've all got their own reasons to be like that. So I feel like the double standard of people just, I didn't say, I didn't see anyone ever, anywhere on Reddit, Richard, say anything about the accent. Even though he absolutely, if he says the sentence, I just jumped on a Deagle Eco, he will say, I just jumped on a Yiggle Eco. Now that's way worse than Pimp saying anything. Nothing Pimp says is what, what Pimp does typically, I find, isn't even actually like brutalize the words with the accent. He'll just yeah. say something like, you know, instead of like of, he'll say have or something. He'll fuck up like the grammar or something simple, you know. So I just think, first of all, I'm not saying to go and hit on Get Right. I'm saying maybe give Pimp the same fucking leeway. Maybe leeway. maybe listen yeah. to what that guy's saying. But in terms of Get Right, I will say this. He's got one flaw, which I don't know if it's still because he's a player or if it's because of his current background as a player but get right as a player was always someone who actually was pretty uh sort of congenial to the bad players in the scene the people who get all the hate and the, the, they are the shitters yeah. in terms of the stats and stuff and so he always hated like he's one of the guys basically who this is the reason why famously he did that clip about me at dreamer even though we're friends outside of this he doesn't like the idea that you would ever mock someone or like be harsh with it's like for him to even say a player's bad is almost like Ah, do we have to do that? So the idea I'm going to say their shit is outrageous to him. So I will yeah, say, no, he has never liked that. That's he true. had a flaw as an analyst, which is that I do think he wasn't able to properly like criticize people because I feel like, unfortunately, his own background. I don't know if it's because he's still active or he's just that kind of person generally. I feel yeah. like he just didn't. He didn't want to veer into that. And my problem with that is it's not a problem. Like maniac doesn't criticize people that often. But if you do that, it makes it a lot trickier to then distinct make a distinction between who's good. Like if you're just telling me everyone's good on some level or has got some redeeming qualities, then how are you supposed to show me that Astralis versus Fury would be an incredible mismatch? Sounds to mm. me like it's just a pretty good guy versus like a really good guy. Hey, that's that sounds like he could win this match. No. So that's just one of those small notes. It's one of the reasons I always think the pros that think they're going to come on the desk and be the best instantly and way better than people like us. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, it takes everyone a while to level up. You've got a new skill set to learn. And in the case of some pros, you're going to have to kind of deprogram yourself from however you thought as a pro and start thinking like an analyst, you know. I agree, though, yeah. by the way. His insights are amazing. One of the things that Get Right's actually famous for is he has, like, almost a photographic memory of fucking games he was in. But even games he's watched, yeah. like, just matches he was watching on stream. So, like... Uh, that's why on one level I've always been friends with him. I thought oh, I fuck with being a nerd in Counter Strike. In fact, that's one of the things. Back in the day, I've often told this story that loads of the pros in 1.6 actively despised the press unless they were just friends with the journalist. They never wanted to do press. They thought it was for losers. Get right is one of the only ones who would go out of his way to make time for the press. So I will say he's always been a very cool guy in that respect. So was, I hope he was, can do more events and continue to improve. Was my was my like I say it was famously when Cadred uh, started covering one point six again. He was like the second interview on the on the site, which was like a huge coup because that was when he'd just gone to um, Fnatic, you know. So. Put it this way: in the era when Nip really hated Lopez because obviously he was criticizing Fiflar and heavily. Get right, mm. to, I think one of the only ones who actually was even still mates with Lopez. Like that's he's just mm -hmm. a super magnanimous guy. No, he's, he's he's a really cool guy, and he he always he always has been, and uh, I hope he does well on the desk. I hope it's something he can really, you know, carve out for himself. But I definitely think your points are valid in terms of, um, you know, one of the things that I first of all, I've never met a pro player that moves into desk work and then doesn't go fucking hell. I didn't realize it was this tough, and it's like, yep, it's it's. It's it's a different kind of discipline, but but it's there all the same because you have to watch the game, you have to get your points in order, you're working on a time limit, 
Um, he even had that know. moment, if you saw, where they like fucked his headset up and he was li he literally had to say, yeah. I didn't hear what you said. Well, that's an example, right? Of where that's yeah. not his fault. But when you become a when you become an expert, once you notice any problem, you'd be reading the person's lips. Now that but that's something you learn with experience, I'm afraid. You have to mm -hmm. go through the all the problems which which will inevitably happen. And and the unwritten rule, you must never throw the production under the bus. Absolutely. Uh, no matter what is going on. You've got high-pitched squealing in your ear. You have to pretend that it's not there. You have to like read lips, muddle through, um, and then talk about it when when you when you get back to Obviously, I personally don't subscribe to that part. No, I know. I'm, 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 no, it's 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 really does, mate. They just wreck I'll it. start like... reading off fucking the production staff's <laughs> names and addresses. Like, I'll dock some motherfucker. <laughs> I won't read that. <laughs> you know, it's almost like I did back in the day. That's almost giving me a flashback to some dream act moments. <laughs> no, I remember, mate. It was like, it would, it would, <laughs> mate, some, of, some of the things you've done are outrageous. Like, yeah, I still, yeah. No, I still I, remember. I even it. look back and mildly regret some of those. Like, I just went too far. No, I, I think. I think I think I think the most egregious one uh for me the one where I even I was like come on don't we was uh, was Atlanta uh on the on the desk when we did the intro do you remember I can't even remember what you were fucking stewing about but something had pissed you off and we did the intro and I'm like you must be loving it we're here for the major and you went yeah you just couldn't give a shit <laughs> like you just I like we did it was you and Moses uh we're on the desk tired us, yeah, I can't remember what it was, and, I, and, and then and then um, went, oh yeah, and then there was the one. I think you popped off at Alchemist as well because he brought up some picture of you from back in the day when you were like a kid because they did it to all of us. They had they showed it's all because unfortunately, from what I remember, I think they did it where it was like they you were in the middle like, of a right point. As, yeah, I was making yeah. a point basically, and the whole point and is because everyone because the, the whole point there really is you're supposed to if like in television you would just stop what you're saying and just react to what's on TV and who gives a fuck about the point. But the point is that's yeah. where we're not just television. Like to me, the point that you're trying to make about the game is important. So I was just getting triggered that people were like distracting me from the point I was trying to make. So there's another example of where you can get in the moment you can obviously make the overreact, etc. I would say. Or the absolute classic from Gfinity. When who was it? It was, it was Trout, was it? It was Chris Trout from fucking COD. And uh, we were doing a Gfinity event, and you, you didn't you say something like you took that you you made a joke at the expense of Call of Duty, and he just started writing on the screen like something like "fuck you," like on the screens we were looking at. Do you remember that? Oh yes, and I went. Mental, and it just yeah. came up with like ghostwriting, like fucking WYSIWYG yeah, from yeah. fucking look. It just came up, fuck you, like on the screen. And Duncan was like, he got through the segment and was like, well, that's just fucking brilliant, that is, right? Fuck you, trying to distract me while I'm trying to make my point. Fucking Call of Duty, Scott. Classic times. <laughs> so many, so many happy You movies. have to realize, though, and for context, I'll say it again. Everyone <clears throat> doing these events was getting four or three hours sleep. You literally yeah, would day. work 16 hours a day. You would fill in our cases for three hours a day. And then on top of that, you're watching a billion matches in a row. Like the world we live in now, there's a reason why we can all be a lot more professional. Nowadays, yeah. you do like two best of threes in a day and you get up at fucking 10 and you have your breakfast and you go to bed whenever you want. Like, it's a different world now. And you I'm get so a day off usually on the rotation. Yeah. yeah it's like, like that would have been, this way, I don't think I would have stayed in the scene as a, as a talent if, if they'd have kept that. Like I feel like oh, yeah, we were, I would have been You were in the fucking years. workhouse back then. Like it was fucking rough. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, you know, pros, it, it, the, the, the tough transition point as well is, especially if you're a guy like Get Right, who part of his image is that kind of like he's a nice dude. Uh, it does become hard then to, if, if there is an element of your job that needs criticism. And you're absolutely right. Players definitely don't like it when analysts criticize them. 
uh, the prescribed wisdom is, well, what the fuck do they know? How, how, how can they do it? And the ex-players that have transitioned into that role, they often don't criticize individual players or individual players or anything like that. That was one of the reasons why I always like, uh, well, both Moses does it when he's on the desk and when we used more at E-League. Because Moore was like close enough to being a player that he had the kind of chops in, in that sense that he, he was a player. But he fucking teed off on players when they were having bad games and would call out their mistakes and stuff like that. That's why I always thought Steele would have been perfect sure. for desk analysis work as well. He just doesn't hold back and says, you know, this person made a mistake here. He shouldn't have re-peaked here. He fucked up here. And he let his team down and cost them the game. And, and I think that's an important part of any sports narrative, right? You know, you go watch the NFL. No one's taking it easy on fucking Baker Mayfield and the Browns are having a fucking nightmare. You know, no one's going, oh, he's got, you know, it's his second season. He's, if anything, he's, they overreact he's, he's too much. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Like, they, if anything, like they it goes too far the other way, yeah. Like, like, literally, if the Patriots lose one game, it's just like the end of their whole careers and Tom Brady should retire the next day. Like, like they go with mm. the other directions. The, that's why I've always thought the idea people say we're harsh. That's like you're basically just saying out loud, I actually just came out of living in a fucking tent in my mum's back right yard on a computer. Like, what are you talking about? I know. We're not even vaguely that harsh. I know, we're, we're nothing compared to real sports at all. Uh, but anyway, look, so we'll talk about the games and the storylines that came out. Uh, Got to say, very refreshing, nice, high-quality level of Counter-Strike. Kind of feel like uh, a lot of teams are hitting their stride. Uh, let's just start, though, by talking about Evil Geniuses. They did that thing again where they had that unbelievable, like, hit-and-miss, slow start. Um, we were served up a potentially tantalizing prospect. Evil Genius's Liquid was, like, one of the first, like, big best of threes in the tournament this is the big na rivalry this is the uh, established order the team that should have had an era and the new upstarts that have, have finally ascended after coming from nrg uh, lots of interpersonal rivalries and people that know each other intimately should have been a, a, a classic game what we actually got served up was a little bit tepid you know the inferno which is like eg's pick one of EG's strong, strongest maps was the 16-14 Liquid. Liquid absolutely fucking dominated them. And then the Dust 2 was definitely exciting, but you would always give the edge to Liquid on Dust 2. Uh, but that was the 16-14, and that was kind of the glimpse of what the rivalry could be. But by that point, obviously, we, we weren't getting the third map, which would have been Mirage, which would have absolutely fucking banged if EG could have just held their corner. Because um, I, um, I think Liquid are kind of vulnerable on that. But anyway, uh, they then go on, they, they beat NIP in a best of three. They didn't look polished at all. They really limped across the finish line there and could have just as easily lost. But I kind of felt at that point, that's where EG usually kick on. And the Astralis series, again, it was like Inferno should have been a lot better than it was. There was too many mistakes from EG. Nuke, I think they were lucky to win it all. And then they just got absolutely dominated on Overpass. Astralis just remained kind of the, the benchmark on that map right now. Um, so overall, I, I, I kind of felt EG, they put themselves in a bad position with, with a slow start. They should have been more competitive. <coughs> they didn't look great. But so I, I really don't know how I'm feeling about EG right now. I, I, as I say, they seem to be a one tournament on, one tournament off kind of team. And that's not conducive to creating an era or establishing sure. yourself as a true great in the space. 
Yeah, my problem with EG is this is an example of a result that is really deceptive. Because when you see that they got third to fourth, okay, mm. look at the teams here. I mean, the, the HL TV top four so was legit, in the top right? four. That's fine. Mm. You see that they lost to Astralis and they still won them up. Hey, that's pretty good. Astralis is the number one team right now. Mm. But then you look into the details and put the context there. Who did they beat? They won a best of one against the Vanguard. Got, as you said battered when it mattered against fucking team liquid and breezy was dog shit in that match literally the worst player on the server when he's supposed to be the best na player right now so yeah. you can see where he's been for the last few months then they took make it made a dog's fucking dinner of playing nip a team that actually if you think even stylistically in terms of strengths they're just a better version of nip they should batter yeah. nip that should be an yeah. easy win for you if you're going to be a team that's going to win tournaments then when you play astralis the problem with that is it's not cool when your team loses to Astralis because one of the few things propping up your bad results is, hey, I tell you what, they give Astralis that fucking work when they play them. You didn't this well, time Well, they, they actually had, since moving to EG, they, they, were, they were ahead in head, head yeah, meetings. they reckon them. And the sad that thing was why, is, what, you know, like when I had to put said, my predictions out, I, I, I fucking said, like, you know, I think EG have yeah, got this. Call. Yeah, Yeah, and, and when, they, when they beat them on Nuke, I mean, we're going into Overpass, you know, I, I definitely felt EG had to take in. I felt like EG had to do it in two. I think Inferno yes. and Nuke had to be the maps because I think you can get it Astralis on those maps. The thing is, what you Astralis said about the Nuke game, though. Like, listen, mm. it was a hell of an exciting game. Go watch that one. Oh, That's yeah. when you really yeah, that, need to that watch was good. Tournament. It was good. Yeah. Problem is, Richard's totally right. Like, the way they won this match was primarily from winning a bunch of clutches. Oh yeah, like it's nothing genius they did or something like. It was like, like for example, Tarek, who'd been terrible for literally like three months now, just on that one game, just went mental and was just like winning yeah. clutches for free, killing everyone here. Like, like who the fuck knows how? I generally think that's true of Tarek, though. I, I, I think, I think you're right. I like, I think Tarek, when, when, like, it's not so much of an issue when like Breezy's popping off, and Breezy was very good in the, um, in the Astralis game. It's got to be said, and Cirque's popping off, and Ethan's popping off. You don't really think too much about what Tarek does in the middle of the round, right? But usually he is dead. But if they ever get to the end of a round and Tarek's still alive, you know, I back Tarek to clutch most times. He's not like Zipnik's levels of clutching or anything like that. But I'd like to see the stats. I think Tarek must have a very healthy clutch percentage uh, as a player. Like I kind of feel. You know, in in one, it's it's almost like the peanut brain doesn't get activated. You know, the mega mind doesn't get activated until he fucking is, is everyone else is dead except him, and then then he looks very very good to me. Um, but yeah, this was honestly, if you want to call it the the reason they were a non-factor on two maps um, in this series was Stan. Uh, Stan was very poor in terms of production. And when you consider Stan as an in-game leader, like it's not just tactics and and and, and stuff. That's he, not his he, rep. Yeah, he gets the rep nah. as a fragger. Yeah, he's a fragger. Yeah, in -game and Nitro and he, made he, him look like an idiot in that regard. At this time. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, until obviously the, the the last map for Nitro, which we'll get to. But um, you know, I got to say, I, I thought Stan didn't he didn't put up numbers in the Astralis series. But it wasn't just that; it was like the positions he was getting caught out in. Astralis have been working this style at the moment, which is like super effective against uh, teams that I that I think sort of um, do you know don't rely on on retakes that you know on the CT side especially they rely on holds right they just rely on having somebody pop off and you don't get into the site to begin with they completely shut your tactic down you run into the wall you know um, which is kind of like how Fnatic play right now I, I think that's true to a certain degree of evil geniuses um, 
Oh, oh mate, Astralis I... get teams fucking saving with three people alive. Like it was 1.6 or something. Like, because exactly, you just yeah. know, well, if we can't There's hold no with fucking five region, rifles, yeah. what's the point in having three and some gallows next round? We might just fucking save. I mean, uh, um, two of them or whatever, you know. Exactly. So it's so it's it, it, you know what 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 was happening in the stand was stand was on, on CT, CT sides was getting caught out. You know his rotates were kind of his timings were off. He wasn't checking like some corners and some spots against Astralis. Like they'll fucking lurk on you. Like you know you gotta you gotta they they really know how to close a map down and compress the play into an area of space. Um, so when you do have to rotate, it's it is actually no entrance to get in because there's a player cutting you off and you have to check everywhere. It's very hard. But but I, yeah, I honestly thought Stam was so unbelievably poor in the, in the series against Astralis. It, it was it was reminiscent of, but nowhere near as bad as uh, that ESL New York tournament he had with Team Liquid just yes. before he got removed. Even though they made second place at that one famously. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was very reminiscent of that. So it was like four v five basically. Yeah. Um, In fact, so I, not... I, I'm trying to remember. I even did a tweet that was along these lines because actually, yeah. Okay, here's the stat that I had. Uh, Glaive had over 30 more kills over the series than Stanislaw. Yeah. Like that that differential cannot exist if you want to beat Astralis. Definitely not. Um, and, and, and what made it a shame was, uh, like you say, Tarek. I thought had a very decent tournament overall for the standard of play and what you expect him to do. Breezy was back in the Astralis game after having a very rough start against Liquid. I think Cirque is, you know, a very fine, consistent AWPer, you know, one of the best in the world. Cirque's not a problem at all in this team. Him and Ethan actually no. are both doing their job as far as I'm concerned. Totally. So I honestly thought this should have been a much more competitive series. I don't know if I want to give like plaudits to Astralis, which obviously we'll do when we talk about how they want it, but, but, um, EG should be more competitive than this in these games. They had two maps where they were they just weren't in it at all. And everything went Astralis' way. And they weren't able to pull out a plan B. Um, it does make me worry a little bit because, you know, the way I envisioned it was going to be there was this wonderful, like, three-way vying Absolutely. at the top of Astralis, EG, Liquid, and maybe, you know, Fnatic are having this insane comeback. Maybe they get in the mix for a few tournaments and... You know, what's going to happen, you know, obviously, you know, what's going to happen with Vitality now that they added shot? You know, it looked like we were going to get a very exciting time at the top end of, of the table, but no one is, no one's close to Astralis uh, right now for for reasons we'll, we'll get into. I suppose by extension, then, I'll transition into talking about uh, Team Liquid. Uh, Liquid looked really, really solid until <laughs> the classic Liquid choke. That just came out of fucking nowhere. Oh, they, because they, before this Astralis match, they teased the fuck out of you. They made you think, oh, yeah. oh shit, they you thought they were, they were on the clock. Now we're going to yeah. get the real match we wanted. Team Liquid versus Astralis at their peak. Let's go. Mm. Well, not real peak, but you know, like the, at the best at the moment. Well, it's the, it's the best they've looked since the disappointment of the major. You know, they clowned evil geniuses on one map, did what they had to do on Dust 2, very tough series. In the best of one prior to that, they dominated Nip. It was like, you know, men against boys. Um, that, Joe Biden's biography about his time as a pool attendant there. Um, not bad. Uh, the Fnatic series was was great. Um, great really... series to watch, actually. There's another entertaining series if you want to watch one. 
Yeah, because it's one of those classic ones where you get the maps that are one-sided and then it's one all and then it goes into a, a final map that was uh, certainly competitive and back and forth before Liquid edged, edged, edged away with it um, on Mirage. Uh, so, uh, and then you go into the final and they, the Vertigo map in the final, the that is the best map. Like, again, I, I know all the problems the map has. It, it needs another sure. rework still. Because it is just fucking the same sort of level of, of entry uh, over and over again. It's fallen into the problem that I think like Cobblestone had, where all the tactics yeah. are very formulaic. You, everyone has essentially the same playbook. It's just about execution. And it, it just so happens Astralis and Liquid execute on a level beyond anybody else. Uh, but the 1915 game on Vertigo is the best match we've had on Vertigo. Oh, that's incredibly exciting. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, easily. And then the Nuke game, um, I, Liquid that were like, 11. That might be a classic as well. Yeah. But it kind of the, just the, fell the, apart, the, didn't it? They were what? Like, they were 11, 11, 7 up? I think so. Going at one point, and you're like, okay, they're on the more difficult T side and Nuke. But they got a fucking. Um, you got you know, they got to play a, with there, though. You know, you're in eleven yeah. rounds. Exactly, but Nuke's a very, very good map for for Liquid. There's a reason they leave it in the pool. And let's be real, Astralis haven't been a dominant force on Nuke no. since that streak ended. They're vulnerable on that map. It looked honestly like we were going to get a two-zero. Remember, they lost to TG earlier in the fucking the day yeah. before. So people, exactly. that, this is what people love to do. It's what I, I hate about Astralis fans. Is when they win, they were always going to win. They're unbeatable. They're the greatest team ever. No one could touch them. Nothing could have happened. When they lose, you just delete that from your fucking brain, like the men in black or something. Because, like, how could the same people, like, there's no way Team Liquid could ever have beaten them on Nuke. Or how did Evil Geniuses do it? And we just acknowledged Evil Geniuses wasn't even good at the tournament, you idiot. Like, yeah. reasonable. Um, so, so definitely vulnerable on Nuke. And then when I watched that, when I watched that map ebb away, I knew we were seeing that that classic vintage liquid that they're, they're they're out of this they're done they're done Do you remember at esl new york they had a similar mm. scenario happen right where when they were leading on vertigo they then just mm. lost like almost they lost every round and then early into just two they were losing and it was something like astralis had won like 13 rounds in a row over the two maps and then liquid yeah. did their own run they did like 14 rounds in a row they won that map made it a third map what's mad is they did like the same shit here because obviously they just lost out on nuke and then Dust 2 started, and they won, like, some, like, two or three rounds. So they must have lost, literally, something mad. Like, off the top of my head, I'm going to say, like, fucking 20 rounds where they won three among the 20. Like, yeah. oh, to, to yeah, be, it was, listen, yeah, Astralis is amazing. Collapsed. But when you look at the skill level Team Liquid had, where they can win, like, oh, they can win a bye where they save an AWP and have CZs against full rifle utility Astralis for fun. You don't go mm. from doing that to the switch goes off and you just can lose every round in a row. Like that, that is mentality. I'm sorry. Like nothing Astralis is doing mix so that you can just never get back in the game. Some of the mm. rounds Astralis is still just playing the way they were before. It's just you don't turn up to the fight. Yeah. It, 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 and listen, I don't know if Astralis fans are fucking like becoming the most delusional fans in in um the counter-strike space or if it's just a new breed of glory supporters because you know you don't want to tar the hardcore fans that are there oh, through no. thick and thin 
uh, you know, it's like in football when, when you get glory, but Man United fans that like just supported them when they were winning every year. So they could say, oh yeah, listen, I, I support the best team and they're nowhere to be seen now. They've jumped across the city or, you know, Liverpool or whatever. Uh, you know, maybe that's going on because there's definitely a, a fickleness to the average esports fan. But um, a lot of people would tweet. I put a tweet out saying, like, you got to feel for Team Liquid. You know, they had Astralis on the ropes there. Um, I bet everyone and... was like, no, they didn't. It was the Team Liquid. See, Astralis yeah. is never going to use that. They could never have lost. It was only 11 yeah. rounds. The, the idea that they've got one map in the bag and they've got they're 11 7 up on the second map. And, and what? Oh, and by the way, on, that's not on the Psychologically, ropes, you know the third map's just two. One of your favorite maps, a map that mm. normally you would think you'd beat Astralis on. So actually, yeah. psychologically, they should have been at their absolute peak of where you could be facing yeah. Astralis. Like, they yeah, should like, be the listen, ones even if they get Astralis nuke, we're going to fucking wreck them exactly. on Dust 2. Yeah, exactly. totally. But what actually happened was but when Dust 2 came rolling around, um, and I want to bring something up that I, to talk about as well, uh, and we, we'll transition into doing a little segment on this. But just so you guys know, right, obviously the ESL finals in Odense are happening now essentially uh so the team liquid flight that they had to book because everyone else that was on this flight from arlington uh it was full so team liquid couldn't get on it and so that they, they literally needed to win 2-0 to have any chance of making their flight <laughs> yeah. i wish i'd known that before i felt like they were going to mm. definitely 2-0 yeah exactly Somehow if I'd you can give that. me joker steve yeah, if you can exactly. give me that information before i make predictions that would Just really help me out exactly yeah that would really <laughs> help brain. me out um and listen i i don't know um if that was you know because look again I'm, you can only theory craft with stuff like yeah, this of course. but imagine like the players are like, oh, we're, you know, we're going to miss the flight. And the knock-on effect of that is they're going to now arrive in Odense one hour before they're due to play their first game. So they're going to be in a situation like what happened when Golden went to E-League and that storm was in Sweden oh, and by the, the flights way, were delayed. Uh, let me have a look here. They play yeah. North in their first game, a team yeah. from Denmark. That is a fucking... Go ahead and write a fucking upset right now on that fucking bracket because that prime for get upset in that game. Yeah, it, it, it be, some, somebody that's going to have arrived two days before, no problem, all nice and relaxed. They just drive across a bridge to get there. You're flying from the fucking US after having missed a flight and probably had to spend an extra night in a hotel you didn't want to. And now you're going to fly out and you're going to land with one hour to get through Swede, uh, through Danish traffic to get uh, to, to the place where you need to be. Um, so, uh, I, listen... I don't. I don't know if that was a factor, but when Dust Two came rolling around and it was clear they were going to miss their flight because they had, they literally needed to be at the airport then to check in when Dust Two started. I don't know if that was just a factor in they just seemed so fucking deflated because you don't even want to have to think about that. That's the key thing. That shouldn't even exactly. Be that equation. should never be in a player's mind. <coughs> Are we going to miss a flight? Are we going to make it to a tournament? That should never be in a player's mind at, at, at any at any stage. Um, and I saw a lot of people saying, oh, that's just bad management, uh, and Joker Steve should be fired. I saw this on Reddit. Uh, obviously, the great minds of Reddit were at it again. Reasonable let me as just, always. Yeah, let me just Definitely tell you. Definitely, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're an absolute <laughs> fucking moron if you think that. Uh, first of all, I don't know if you realize, but to get to Denmark from Arlington, there's a limited amount of flights. Not a lot of Americans fly I'm gonna to guess Europe that's on a regular like, basis. three or four flights. Yeah. And the, 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 the one flight 
the, the the one flight that the other teams were on was just full. You can't do anything about that. So they had to get the uh, they had to get the later flight, which is the one they missed, and now they're having to get the flight that they're having to get. That is that is n totally beyond their control. The topic you fucking moron should be talking about is how we get in a situation again, just a few months after it happened last time, um, where what. <laughs> We, we, we've got a situation where if players don't 2-0 in the final, they cannot fly to the next tournament because everyone's layering their tournaments on top of each other because they're all trying to fucking big dick each other. That's the topic of conversation, guys. That's Actually, what you I've need a, to be thinking about. I've got an angle on this. I've said it on Twitter. Yeah, do it. Let's do it. We can talk about Astralis being people don't, magnificent in a second. Obviously, people don't read my Twitter and for every comment, etc. So I'll just I'll mm. restate it, basically. Yeah. Right? The one angle... Listen, normally I get accused of being a fucking ESL sellout. Like, I'm in the mm. sponge boat where people just assume I'm, like, best pals with them or they're paying me or some shit like that. Even though I only do two bloody events a year from. But, okay, let's just ignore that, shall we? One yeah. of the things that was ridiculous to me is this. When I look at this scenario here, first of all, mm -hmm. I think both TOs are to blame because these are the direct rivals because ECS and EPL are the same fucking product for each company. And they only put two seasons on a year and they magically have to be right fucking after each other every time each year. So they're obviously going out their way to fuck with each other. We get that, right? It's competition. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But here's the thing. Even in competition, there still has to be a line generally if you actually care about the scene. Notice the key caveat I put there. As a business, ESL are entirely justified to fuck their rival as hard as they want. The problem yep. is if they fuck their rival at the cost of the scene. And so I'm now, in what people might think is a rare incident, going to call out ESL. Because why is ESL making a team's travel day Sunday? Sunday, we must all call it Championship Sunday like they used to in COD. Sunday is always the final. Always. Mm -hmm. For every yeah. big event, Sunday is the final. We all know that. So the idea that you book someone your travel day for your big event then, here's the maddest mm -hmm. thing. Not only have you, yes, fucked your rival, you might have ruined their final. It's worse mm -hmm. than that. You've ruined your own product. Some of the teams coming who were supposed to win your tournament are coming in shit form. And what do you think they're going to say when they bomb out? It was because of the travel. And what are the fans yeah. going to say when they think back in history? What was EPL season 10 finals like? Oh, that's weird. I see on the I see on the results, some of the big favourites went out. Yeah, that event was shit because, you know, people were just jet like They literally got off the plane half an hour before the... You've ruined your own product in that sense. So actually, that's an example. You have literally cut off your nose to spite your face on that one. Like, that's just an exact... Like, I, th I don't know how much of it was intentional, but it just looks suspicious, put it that way. Well, so I'm currently working on getting this story across the line because I think it's something that needs oh, to be reported Sounds awesome, on. yeah. Um, but So what I've been told so far is everybody wanted to have the last event of the year. So they wanted to have it as late into December as they realistically okay. could without it interfering with people's Christmas plans and New Year's plans. So dates kept getting moved. So, in particular, this involves the Blast and the Bahrain event, I think. So, basically what happened was, it was like, we, we're going to have our event here. Then somebody said, well, we're having our event here. On, on Oh, and it just so happens to be on the same weekend as you. So then somebody else, oh, okay. 
So we move, we're going to move our date. <laughs> this is a fucking Abbott and Costello sketch. What is this? Yeah. So basically, basically what happened was, it was like, and I, I don't, I don't know who's at fault and I don't know who was, but there was, there was a, there was a bunch of tournament organizers in December, essentially playing a game of chicken to see who could get the last ones. And you end up with this stupid fucking situation where go look at the string of events in this December and compare it to other events in other Decembers and work your way back and, and look at how, look at the concentration we've got this year and not just a concentration of events but look at the standard the caliber of the events we've got and how close they are to each other and unfortunately again this is one of these issues which i'll have to i'll have to uh, call scoots and, and, and talk to him about it because i can't believe the players are happy with this but for anybody that thinks well because somebody tweeted this at me the other day and to be fair they didn't know a lot about the esports industry so i'm not saying they're stupid uh they were very polite they were just a little bit you know they just didn't know Naive. but yeah, yeah, but the, 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 there's contract there's contracts in place to attend these events months it, in it, advance, it, and we've even yes. sold tickets before you even see arriving. Yeah, before you don't get told the dates, you just say we will attend the finals because there is a there is a commercial aspect to this. Where, say for example, ECS, remember ECS is its own thing. All the teams that play in ECS are like co-owners in the league. They do revenue share, and part of that means you have to attend the finals, no matter where they fall, no matter where they are. You must go, barring some critical emergency, and even then there'll be penalties. And it's the same with the ESL Pro League, and it, as we've seen from the contracts that got leaked, it's going to be even more intensive in 2020. And certainly, we know it's true with the Blast, that you must attend, uh, if you're in the Blast circuit, you must attend the five events, um, which, I, I, which is a negotiation as to which five of the seven you attend. And then you must attend the finals. So this isn't like some optional thing you can pick and choose and, 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 and you know, elect to go here. And, oh, well, we're not going to go there now that we missed a flight. You have to go. And this is the unfortunate downside where the players are kind of like the pawns on the board. They've just got to move in the directions they're being told. And, and, and they're the ones that have to suffer with, with the and by ridiculous the way, travel schedule. I like they the don't analogy. Really, they can't do anything about this. The reason the analogy is also good, the idea that they're the pawns... It's because here's the thing, right? TOs aren't stupid guys. If you think that in this scenario, ESL, who obviously, by the way, since you're coming to ESL, you're coming from the ECS, it makes it look like it's ECS's fault, doesn't it? Like, oh, they're the ones who shed yeah, exactly, it. Right? Yeah. So as a result, ESL essentially gets to use a bunch of pros who will definitely complain on Twitter because you cannot stop a pro co fucking complain on Twitter about anything nowadays. Mm. They are basically your proxy warrior to fuck your enemy up. You don't have to do the dirty work. You let them handle it for you. Mm. Uh, and, and I think there was an interview. I want to say it was with Alige. I think he. <coughs> I think he basically made reference to this, talking about the travel schedule uh, this month, and uh, also as well. I uh, I, I didn't know. Uh, maybe it was Glaive, actually. I know but I did... did a HLTV interview where the actual title of the thing was like, you know, if the schedule is like this next time, we might not come or something like that. Something. Uh, yeah, something may, or maybe, like may, that. maybe, maybe it was Glaive. Oh, someone in the chat said no, Elise said it too. Oh, fair so enough. So you've got, so you've got these two prominent figures, you know, like Glaive and Elise saying this. Yeah, you're right. Glaive also said it. If this happens again, maybe we will say no to a tournament, even if it is the finals. Uh, that's the quote from the HLTV interview. By the way, respect for the number one team saying that. That that fucking yeah. counts for a lot. It would. It would. If it wasn't for the blasting, yeah, it, it would. Yeah, it would mean more if uh, this. <laughs> that's true. I, no, yeah, it, it yeah. would mean a lot more if there wasn't the whole blasting kind of lurking in the, <laughs> in the background. Let's let's just put it that way, because I'm sure they will never be saying no 
to to a, a blast event. Uh, but but whatever. The, the 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 reality here is this is two prominent players, the two best teams in the world, saying the schedule is fucked and the TOs are kind of putting us in this awkward position. And I noticed that Alige retweeted my tweet, which was saying you've got to feel for them. And even though I was critical of Team Liquid in the tweet, saying you've got to feel for them because they crumbled against uh, uh, Astralis in what should have been a winnable final, but they're going to land one hour before their match in Odense now because of it. Uh, and and Elise retweeted that as if to say, listen, we totally agree with you. Um, so get back to the match and get back to the tournament. And we'll let you guys disseminate that and talk about that uh, on, on social media and on the Reddit thread when this goes up. And I'm obviously going to be looking into that story. I want to find out more about what went on because I think it's very important. But let's just talk about the Dust2 map and then we'll transition to talking about Astralis. Uh, you know, twelve three down after the first half on on lick on a on a map that liquid pick. Uh, there was just something going on there, and this was like the, I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's something there's something that just seems to go wrong within the team when the chips are down. Now, like Nitro was so adrift on that map, like he he like went something insane. It was like what was it like two for fucking sixteen at some point in the game before he started clawing back a few kills as these kind of meaningless rounds racked up before we got to the sixteen eight. Um, and he played so well the entire tournament. There you go, two for eighteen he was. Two for eighteen and and went three for twenty overall, which is as you know is like fifth Lauren levels. You know, he, fifth Lauren when he did things like that was absolutely derided and told he had no place in modern you know Counter Strike. So it's a very poor performance indeed. But there was also some moments where you you know it only seemed to be Stewie that was really motivated to like pop off and kind of like let's try and make some plays, let's run through some smokes, let's try and shake things up. You know, Stewie was the guy that like grew into this series when things were difficult everyone else went missing when things were diff difficult especially twists who should have done more in this series you know naf was great i would say all all tournament if liquid had won he would have been a good shout for mvp of the whole whole thing but yeah they they, they just seem to collapse mentally in on themselves and when you look at all of the periphery stuff that's going on and the long journeys and blah 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 you do have to wonder if it's a factor because it's it, it, it's either that or we have to start talking about Liquid's mentality and whether or not they ever got over the hump of them being a choking team. I mean, certainly that has to be considered because, I mean, obviously there was no Astralis to compete with them to the same degree because Astralis had blasted themselves. So, like, to me, the whole problem with this final was the moment in the game when Astralis is at their best is the moment in the game when Liquid is at their worst against Astralis. Because what happens is, I've seen this happen many, many times now. In the same way as teams like EG only try to kill you by literally... They, they can only win a round by killing you, basically. They have mm. to win all the gunfights and then they win the round. Now, they're such an amazing squad, they can do that. And fucking even against Astralis. The third problem is... Team Liquid, in theory, is supposed to be able to do a bit of both. They're supposed to be a bit more flexible as a squad. And I've noticed when they play Astralis, they just start playing at Astralis's pace, which is that really slow round where, as you had described earlier, it's like you have five lurkers on both sides of the game. You have players where Astralis do this amazing thing that I've never seen any team do, where it's like they almost take turns, like, right, everyone else is going to hold positions and just me is going to make, like, a weird push. And they only do it when they have, like, the lead behind them 
playing as an extra man, as it were. So when they're up and you've got like, like you have to win like three of the last five rounds. So if you even fuck up one gun round, economy's going to be rough. That's the round when Glaive will just randomly sneak through a smoke where normally if you're sat behind it, you just kill him. But if you're not there that one time and he gets behind you and he kills you, or even better, they push someone through and they just keep him in that whole spot for the whole rounds. So he's getting in for, you know, it's not even there. Like it ruins the whole round for you. And you don't know the round's ruined yet. You're thinking about that can still execute, etc. And the problem is they basically take the right gambles. I know everyone thinks because normally they play the numbers so perfectly, but in those scenarios, that's when they start taking gambles. So what tilts me about Team Liquid is I saw in this series for a map and a half. There were times when Team Liquid was battering Astralis. They were literally winning with fuck all economy and weapons, just outskilling yeah. them for fun. It was outrageous. Even the IGL Nitro was doing it. The problem yeah. is this. Whenever they get into the late game moments where they're really thinking about it, they go, they go slow. They play like they're Astralis. I don't get it because what I would do is the opposite. I always thought what you do is when you get more stressed, you take a, you take the decisions out of the equation, up the tempo, make it a gunfight. Instead of letting them do all these genius rotations, hit a sight or hit two sights at once and just make them win all the gunfights. And if they can win the gunfights in that scenario, you tip your hat, you say you're the better team, you win. In this scenario, though, I'm sure Team Liquid fans will agree with me. The worst thing about when you lose the way they did is you just felt like you were just being toyed with, like a fucking cat with a mouse. Like It's just like, it can kill you at any time. You can dance around and dodge it, so it's going to kill you any moment it wants to. So the worst thing is you lose, and it's the most unsatisfying way to lose. I don't mind losing if you just go head-to-head -head and they knock you the fuck out. You can live with that. At least I gave myself a chance, right? So I feel like it's only specifically against Astralis they do it, if you notice. Like, somehow no one else can make them do that. Normally, I mean, Fnatic found this. When Fnatic would be in good positions, they'd be on like a map they like, on a side they like, and Team Liquid would just roll in there and fucking cap them. And they couldn't do shit about it because think about the outrageous arsenal of skill level that you have if you're Team Liquid. So I feel like this is one of those things where, like, I don't want to have to go too hard on this because it's obviously very difficult to know what coaches do. But I have mm. to say, people used to joke when they were winning everything in the summer, what does Adren do? Does he really just stand behind him? Because famously, he never called timeouts even then. Mm -hmm. They almost never call time. They'll lose fucking 10 rounds in a row without calling a timeout. They sometimes even get a fucking favor when Astralis calls a timeout to decide how they're going to beat them up more. They get like five minutes to talk themselves. But this is one of those moments where I know that if the players come out the server, they probably agree with what I'm saying and go, yeah, we won't do that next time. The problem is in the moment. It's like that thing. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. The Mike Tyson quote. The problem is in the moment, that's where you need an IGL or a player to snap you out of it in the freeze time or your coach to give an I a time out and he doesn't do, listen, you're fucking up this stride. That's not the problem. What he needs to snap you out of is where you're at in the head. Like, what are you doing, guys? We're just playing into their hands. So... That something's lacking mentally. I don't want it to be like the old thing of like they're just choking like they used to. They're a different team than they used to in many ways. Yeah. You know, it's a different type of choke sure. even because they even put themselves in these crazy positions where they'll fight back into a game. That's what's funny. Like on the vertical game, they absolutely the old liquid would have lost that just in regulation. They fought back yeah. and then they won it in overtime. Like that's not the old liquid. So it's a different way of choking, which obviously makes it harder to figure out. But I agree, it's mental. Like it can't be, it can't be skill-wise, because even in this tournament, you saw these players wreck everyone. I think coming into the final, Twist was like a top eight player ranked in the tournament. He didn't even turn up till the third map. Yeah. And and it's just so fucking surreal. Like, I mean, again, there's not, I, I think 
obviously we're being super critical of, of liquid i think astralis are probably the only team in this tournament that could have done this to them oh agreed yeah no, no, their problem no, is no, if any time astralis goals they're going to be there mate yeah <laughs> you know and, and 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 to be to be fair the, the thing you have to say about astralis as well is that while we don't think about you know zipnix is like a great fragger we we think about him as a, this guy that brings so much to the team and obviously is a consistent clutch player zipnix didn't really have a great no, tournament no. you take for granted um, he's at least going to be decent that's the thing yeah um and he had a but, screamer in this file it was really bad yeah so it's like the, the the two standout players for me were obviously device who went on to win the mvp mr consistent it's mental you know. seeing him just clutch everything now isn't it like i can't believe the years we watched of that guy playing he was in the team liquid position half of his career i know it's 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 wild and and but always you know again you have to think about the storyline with him was he only went missing in those big games and it was a thing that lasted about 18 months where it was kind of it was inarguably true that Device would drop 20s, 30s, Mr. Consistent, and then when the big semis and the big finals and the big games came around, he would he would dip in performance. He went away and fixed that. And honestly, the more and more I think about it, especially when you kind of look at the fits and bursts we've had with like Olaf and Cold Zero and Kenny S and Simple and Zwoo, there's been one guy... Exactly. That's basically been in 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 the discussion. He was all to their the rivals. Top three play yeah, he's always been a rival to to those guys. He's always been in the conversation in the years that those guys have won. Do you know something you know, funny, plaudits. I'll give you the obvious comparison that no one's making. Hmm. Device is Tom Brady. If you don't know yeah. the history of Tom Brady, yeah, absolutely. Listen, fans from New England always said he was the best when he wasn't, by the way, in the early days. But what's funny is he was always marginalized because Peyton Manning had way better numbers and a better offense. And then fucking obviously you had like Aaron Rodgers came along, who has all like he's the dream fucking quarterback with his arm, etc. Drew Brees does similar things to Tom Brady, but as an offensive coordinator who pumps everything through him. Like there's a million reasons as to why, aside from them being the Man United of fucking the NFL, that everyone hated the Patriots and Tom Brady. It was just easy to marginalize him but the problem is at the end you can say the same thing right you win the most you were every fucker's rival you're still the rival now of the people coming up patrick mahomes has to be your rival when you're like 40 years old that's ridiculous so the idea that device was literally a candidate for like best player in the world when olaf meister was amazing have you seen olaf meister the last few years guys he's literally had years where he's been shit while device has still been a rival to the best players in the world that's why i said i think i found the best with the tagline to give device is i don't know if anyone ever will give him that nod and say he's the greatest of all time i think there's an argument for it i can also make an argument against it like there's that weird angle where he never really was the best for that that often in a specific moment which is a bit weird you know to say you're the greatest but then if you put him in one era would he be the best player no but what i'll say is this who gives a fuck about being the greatest of all time if you just win everything? Just give me like 10 majors, mate. You can keep that title. Well, oh, sorry, simple. You were better than me. I'll take the 10 majors, mate. And the fucking 50 MVPs I'll have or whatever. <laughs> what do you want? Oh, like, I'm not, by the way, sad, sadly, every player would pick that. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It it is insane. And and again, when you look at the level of performance he's had since we've you know talked about this like reassembling of Astralis, you know, since the Blastralis era, and they've 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 gone on to kind of become the number one team in the world again. It's not even close. Uh, like Device has been instrumental in that. But 
it, it's very much a two-pronged thing because the amount of fucking impact rounds that May just took here, as well as just his general level of fragging, he he, he would have easily been easily in the conversation for MVP at this tournament as well. I thought. Unfortunately, um, Magisk will always get fucked over because first mm. of all, his game is stuff like sitting in one spot and spraying, spraying down three people to come round. That'll never look as cool as open one guy repositioning, no scoping a guy who rushes you, go back through a smoke, kill a guy who's trying to flank you. Like, that's just a highlight movie. The problem with Magus yeah. is people just, like, he's one of those players I also feel got mad short shrifted by the fact that we had the Krieg and the Org because he's so absurdly good with them. It's like people are like, ah, is it just a gun or whatever? Like, mm. this guy always has the sleeper MVP performance, but his problem is, it reminds me of Fur when Cold Zero used to win it every time. It's like, mate, the problem you have is, if you want Astralis to win a tournament, you probably want Device to be the best player, right? So if he's yep. the best player, well, what the fuck am I doing if I'm Magus? Then? Well, I'm second best. Brilliant. Is there an award for second best? Sorry, only first best. <laughs> you can't <laughs> win, can you? Fur used to have the same thing. He used to post like monster numbers. And then it's yeah. like, right, the problem is though, I'd never win if Cold Zero did Bunny. So it's like, right, well, again, you just have to accept, you're, you just have to take the trophy itself and go, right, well, at least I won the trophy. Right? It's the only consolation you can take. But I feel for him. I do believe he had some very good performances in these games. He kept them alive in this match. Well, I mean, Look, the, the other thing you got to talk about Astralis is and, and, and how they set themselves up to succeed. Uh, how many pistol rounds did they win this tournament? Kind of felt like all of them. Except uh, against Liquid, I think there was one map where Liquid won two or something. Maybe Nuke, I think Liquid won two. Yeah. I, I agree, generally. They're over the course of the tournament. Now. Even Glib's amazing with pistols. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and there was times where it was just like, I mean, the the... the uh, there was there was one moment in particular. I I want I think it was the e, it was EG because I don't think EG got any pistols against Astralis. I think they lost all six, uh, or certainly they lost five, four or five. But there was the there was this one bit on Nuke where Astralis went outside to go down a lower, and somebody was up in in heaven peeking out with a USP, and it's like it, it, this is like prime headshot material, like. He got dinked by a fucking clock from across the map and then killed. And it's like, what the fuck are you going to do against that? Like, you cannot do anything against that. Like, that that situation is the USP strength. That's why the CT should have an advantage in that situation. Astralis somehow find a way to make it work the other way around. It, you know, they're such a good team. And, and as I said, Magisk, immense in pistols great fragging all the way around and and had so many huge impact rounds where every time it looked like maybe the team you know they had like a numerical advantage yep. super rare to ever be in that position against astralis as i say they, they astralis are typically going into their executes or defending a, you know defending a base they're usually putting you in a 5v4 uh sorry a 4v5 situation um but may just like had so many rounds where, where he just turned it around by getting two or three quick kills so just an amazing team right now and uh you know it's up to one of these na teams to like step it the fuck up and and really start to you know because this is this is the quintessential battle we've had in global counter-strike at various points going all the way back to 1.6 this is the fucking the european machine the perfection Right, and the only way you break that down is through the fucking chaos of of the NA system, where it's like we don't. Our system is we do we run through a smoke and we kill three of you and fuck you up, and that has been the way that NA and EU has typically clashed yes. for 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 over a decade. So um, it, it it should be something you would expect Liquid and EG can get right eventually, but they look so far away from where Astralis are right now. I don't hold out hope for it happening uh, for the rest of 2019, but 
especially also, not with the travel schedule. Just to just to mention before we go off the Astralis topic, I'll just mention one mm. other player that has to be shouted out, which is like now that he, if you remember, I think it was even I in Beijing or something where like Glaive won the fucking MVP with like one of the craziest like HL TV ratings ever that for like yeah, a, any mental. player. Never mind, like I thought like yeah, never mind an IGL. He was he almost had it was in like one point fucking it was something seven, absurd. Like put it this yeah. way, it's better numbers than like Elise gets when he's the MVP. Like this yeah. is for real. Right, even though he didn't do that over the whole tournament, at times and especially in the final and against EG, he was doing that again on maps. Like at, at some point, I'll have to do it myself. I'll do some content. It'll be a video breakdown or an article, or something, because mm. I've never seen any outlier like this in history. A guy who even like what's funny is when Glaive used to also have a rep as a fragging in-game leader, that usually meant pretty good for an IGL. It didn't really mean if you took away the IGL part, they'd be fragging. Now, what's ridiculous is a couple of times at the end of last year when they were in their era, and then now for a couple of tournaments, he has just had tournaments where he's like literally a top three individual player in the event at the same time as calling all these genius strats and reading the whole fucking game. Like, I've, I don't think that's ever happened in the history of Counter Strike that someone had like peaks that were that absurd and then went back to where they were. That's it's like a miracle. It really is. It's on that level. And I've seen a lot of Counter Strike in my time. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm obviously going to give all the plaudits to Astralis. I think the rest of the year just belongs to them. I don't think anyone's going to get close. We really need to sort of regroup and see what happens in 2020. But, you know, great event, great performance by Astralis, some great high-level Counter-Strike, and hope that continues into the ESL Pro League uh, in Odense, which obviously is going to be coming up very very soon uh so a couple of news stories then we'll do uh, viewer questions and then we'll get the fuck out of here so uh good news uh renegades fans uh you lost your team to 100 thieves which raised a few eyebrows in and of itself but they'd been they've been vaguely competitive well you're picking up some real world beaters now because uh, you're getting it sounds like according to dk on uh, on twitter renegades gonna finalize a deal to bring greyhound gaming into their uh logical home of renegades i have no idea why this is happening it, it, it hopefully it puts it to bed by the way if you don't believe that renegades are just cynically trying to gain the asian qualifiers to get to like, why would you go australian slash new zealand again why would you go oceanic region again you were like you're called the fucking detroit renegades aren't you like maybe pick up some motherfuckers from detroit or close to it you know like same country Seems crazy. Uh, but anyway, so I will have to say that absolutely at that point when the deal is finalized, Dick Stacy will be a pro player. He won't be semi-pro anymore, but he will be absolutely dog shit still. That's never going to change. So just want to put that out there. But this, uh, this is like a strange move, I, I, I think. I, outside of the Asian qualifier thing, I just cannot think of why you're like yeah we just had those aussies go to 100 thieves that were doing uh pretty well and you know as a brand we're we're american based we, we we've been we've been associated with two american cities let's pick up that other australian team the only other relevant one the one that was wasn't as good as the one that we just let go like what is happening here i, I if this move goes ahead i cannot understand it i can't cannot fathom it well also as you as you pointed out there Right, the fact that you couldn't keep hold of your Australian team and now you're getting the next available Australian team says everything about your finances and what you're willing to invest in CSGO. I mean, here's yeah. an obvious one to me. Why the fuck weren't you in the bidding for the OG lineup? 
I'll give you a little bit of insight here, guys, as to some things I've heard behind the scenes. Rumours, so these aren't things that I, I've, I'm claiming as a fucking report. I'm not DK in this mm. scenario. What I'll say is this. I've heard that the reason why it's taken forever for that fucking OG deal, deal to get over the line is because mm. they weren't even coming close to the number. They were trying to, like, lowball the shit and stupidly mm. thinking, like, well, they have to go... They want to sell the players. It's like, mate, do you know how many people are trying to get an account strike now? So the idea that Renegades aren't even in the bidding for that, that's what you do, by the way. If you actually have money and you really care about being competitive, you pivot, like Richard's saying. You don't go for another Australian team and go, I hope they one day get good. You go, you know what? Let's get the MBK Valde. That's fucking bang. Let's get that lineup in. Let's change totally. People are leaving. The novelty alone will carry you through the first few months, even if you fail. And then at that point in time, you're also off the hook. You're not a fucking weird, are we an Australian org, but we're trying to be from America. And obviously all the sponsors are never going to be from bloody Australia. Like, I don't get this. Like, the only reason to do this is a budget move. It's cynical, like you say. It's budget in the in the qualifier. I mean, to, to give some of the players uh, on Greyhound, like, some fucking credit, like, I, I, I will say, they have some, like, good players. Like, yeah, you, Dexter's you know, pretty decent. Yeah, Dexter, I want to say Psycho or Sicko, however the fuck they say it as well. I think it's pretty decent. Um, like it, 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 it's it's a team that can definitely like. There's players there that could definitely hang like in the NA scene. Uh, but as a as a team, here's what you're here's what you're essentially looking at. You go to a tournament. It's day one. People are jet lagged. People are tired. You've been because of your seed or in the grouping. You're playing one of the big boys. You were mega up for that, and you know that you've beaten them in the past. And you play like you don't really give a fuck because you're still in the greyhound mindset. You play against them. You beat them on day one. Congratulations. Now you meet a team that doesn't fucking underestimate you hasn't just traveled from another event and has been settled in and even though they're way down in the ranking compared to the upset team that you just beat uh you 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 lose and you go out the tournament and everyone and no one talks about you like back to reality well there goes gravity <laughs> exactly it's, it, you're just gone and then you and then you do your interview and dick stacy goes oh fucking hell yeah i want to suck <laughs> Malta's dick mate yeah fucking hell yeah fucking hell and that's it. And then everyone goes, ah, 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 suck his teammates, dick, ah, ah, I know. Ah, Listen, you fucking cunt. I'm not going to no. fucking suck his dick. <laughs> you were going <laughs> to be East End. I don't know why he's in Snatch, but, you know. Suck his fucking up. Sorry, I don't know why, like, but, you know, I can't. Obviously, whatever. But the the, the, the point is, though, like, it, it, is a, it is an active inarguable downgrade from your previous team and it's in a region that just unless i'm missing something unless like fucking aussies are out there fucking you know because they keep you know they have no respect for clothes because they drink beer out of their shoes all the time so they have to constantly buy like new sneakers and and new and probably you know if they drink out the shoes they probably shit in their t-shirts don't they so probably have to buy a new jersey every week or something i don't know this is taking notes <laughs> New marketing idea, not yeah, just having put it. That on a stick. I, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what's <laughs> going on out there. But like, unless they're buying like mega fucking merchandise, like all the fucking time, what are we? Why would you want to be associated with a region that we know significantly lacks esports sponsorship and has for fucking? You know, I knew all the guys that essentially laid the fucking foundations of Australian Counter Strike back prior to when Sydney Underground was part of CGS. 
trust me, it's not much further forward. The way everyone else has scaled up compared to Australia is far ahead. And I would say that includes places like Brazil and all these other countries. Australia is still very far behind. So the idea that this is like an esports region worth mining, um, it, yeah. it's weird to me. I just don't get how it. many years it took to get Renegades right. Mm. Years. Yeah. I think they went through two orders before their fucking team got really good. Yeah. It, it's just strange. And remember, <laughs> they, they they have like American-centric ownership. I would have thought that when they sold the Team 200 Thieves and made some money, they would have gone, fuck it, dude. Let's fucking, now, now we, got, we got the clean transition. We don't have to bring in bits and pieces from Australia for, like, you know, cultural reasons or whatever, whatever reason they were doing it for in the first place. We can now get into the NA scene, legit. And there's, you know, there's free agents out there in NA, which they might not be the best fucking players, right? Of course not. They, that, that, you know, that's why they're in free agency. You're not contracted right now, but they would help you lay a fucking foundation. I mean, keep in mind, you could have picked up a team with NA players that would have been better than the roster Cloud9 has right now. And, and by and, the way, would have way bigger names and profiles in your fucking region with your sponsors than Greyhound. Yeah, it, it's it's just weird to me. It's a really weird move. I almost hope it doesn't happen, even though that, of course, would wreck DK and all the all the Reddit plebs would be like, hi, D DK, he always gets it wrong, even though he's never got it wrong. Ha. You know, it would have been that, but you know, it's it's just it's just bad. Like it's just a it's just a bad decision. And yeah, listen, you're gonna clip this, and because last time the, the level of insellatory in in the Oceanic region is 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 insane. Uh, the the Greyhound fans mass reported me last time. Like you know when they beat Team Liquid in that tournament, Fucking they were all like spamming my Twitter. Ah, where Dick Stacy's killing it, mate. He's making all that money. What are you doing? Like yeah, okay, mate, fine. Uh, you're, you're, you're not I wonder what hinge. money they imagine Dick Stacy's making. I'm not joking, right? Mm. I, I don't want to go too far. I'm going to say something I think is factual. I'm going to guess I make five times what Dick Stacy does in a month. <laughs> well, but yeah, but that's not even an outrageous number. Don't forget the dick stickers, mate. Don't forget the dick sticker. You see, you don't draw a penis. Sneak it into... Because you're talent. You don't get to exactly. do this. You don't draw... Like, you didn't flop your dick on a table. Passive ball. Draw an outline of your legit vascular penis. And then, like, somehow turned the bell end into a T. And had Horin coming out as spunk jet lines. Right? And then try and sneak it into Valve to basically get edgy kids to buy your sticker and make fucking, you know, tens of thousands dollars that way you see you didn't do that you see you had to actually create like fucking you know content to make money talent's not allowed to profit at all from uh from anything in the game players can we can't like go fuck yourselves you're not even allowed to have a sticker in the game you know it's like we're we're actually against that because quote players earn their spots in our tournaments that's valve's official stance we, we, yeah well, talent's never earned anything in its life we don't work incredibly hard at as our if craft. we wouldn't have like as if you wouldn't have <laughs> fucking 20k off a timestamp that one or me off one like i know exactly or some stupid shit you know fan logic or whatever you think fans wouldn't want a sticker like that to put on the ak course they would it's just crazy, a, say, crazy decision considering how much money they would actually make. Off. Oh, they would. That's the stupidest thing. They would make the majority <laughs> of the money. It's just for some yeah. mad reason in these, some of these games, the game dev almost is like, right, well, you should do this idea game dev because then you make loads of money. Yeah. But does anyone mm. who's not me make money? Well, yeah. Cancel. 
It's like, <laughs> give me a fucking olive branch. By the way, <laughs> by the way, I just want to give a special shout out to Kawada PM who says if you did do that, you could have it say throbbing. There we go. Here's the difference. Robin. That's better than Dick Stacy. You know what it actually is? Like, it's like an implication Robin. involved in it. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking good, man. That's a good one. Pat yourself on the back. Uh, anyway, um, so that's that story. Uh, what was the other one I wanted to fucking uh, bring up? Oh, yeah, Valde at North. They've oh. officially confirmed the sale. He's he served his an... sentence out. <laughs> now he's ready to be reintegrated yeah. into society. Obviously, for a while, you know, when people go by and he's eating dinner, he'll grab the edge of his tree. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Gid, stay away. They'll go, oh, oh wait. They'll, and then be killed. He'll be going, no, it's okay. It'll be like the, the Valde whisper, like, it's all right now. It's all right. <laughs> You're in a real team now. You don't even have to be agile. No, I'll be, I'll be agile. Don't worry about it. Alexi, he'll do it. Whatever, you know. It'll, be, it'll take him a while. He'll be like a little jittery stallion, but eventually he'll come back and be the thoroughbred that I know he is. Oh, he listen, I, I think he's looked great on, on North, all things considered, and I'm so happy he's getting a move. It's just, you know, I, I think he was the solution to all of Faze's problems, frankly, and I, and I think this, the more and more I look at this fucking OG roster, the less and less I'm impressed by it as an entry level uh, into Counter-Strike, and I think it's going to have a lot of problems uh, before it gets going. It has the potential to kind of follow in the footsteps of Mouse Sports, but I don't think it has the parts to do it. It, it so much hinges on what Alexi B does here, and it's sure. tough for him. You have to think about the unique pressure he's going to be under, because by the looks of it, he's going to have Valde, he's going to have MBK, great parts to work with. Um, but but if things start going wrong very quickly, you're going to have the the again the Reddit geniuses. See, Ents was all a fluke. It wasn't him. So he's going to be under a, a unique type of pressure. But anyway, just talking about the move, Valde out of North, for me, I think it ends North as sort of a, a relevant force. Uh, you know, I, I, I've not really been convinced for a while. But again, just to remind you of the roster, it's AZ, Kierby, Gade, and Yugi now. I think we need to get thing. some sort of a nickname for AZ. It needs to. So I'll give you an example. In League of Legends, mm. a brilliant nickname they had was for the player Score when he used to play as an AD carry in KT Rolster. Because he was the sort of AD carry that just played super safe and then only went for the kill that was guaranteed. He would he would have games he just wouldn't die. And so he was called Score the Immortal, which is like a fucking yeah. baller nickname. We need yeah. something like AZ the Uncuttable or something. Like this motherfucker. He, like there's only two things will survive nuclear holocaust. It's fucking cockroaches and AZ. <laughs> Just going, where's MSL at? Is he still around? He, that fucking half bald headed cunt with a comb over it probably figure out what to do now. He'd MacGyver his way out of this. And then literally, it'd just be a cockroach talking to him. We go, oh, sorry, that's not him. It's not fucking hell. A, a, a cockroach with a really far exactly. back hairline. <laughs> and and, and he's, he's there going, fucking hell, you look really old. And, and I'm, I'm actually only, uh, I'm only six months old, actually. <laughs> We only live it, yeah. Time stamp all of this. Yeah, time stamp all of this. this stupid fucking segment. But anyway, the, the the point is, like, I mean, he represents the last, in my opinion, the last player that's operating at a truly world-class level on that roster. Because Yugi and Gay, I mean, Yugi is a special breed of shit. 
you yugi is a fucking beer shit <laughs> like when you've been on a when you've been drinking for three days straight and you've had nothing but fucking gherkins and fucking be, you know fucking nuts all that needs to be said nothing about solid or substantial is all the people who were riding him when he was a prospect literally mm. don't even mention his name they don't even say like oh he's done bad i hope he bounces back they just don't even speak about him now like he's literally yeah. like he's like some shit that happened in vegas five years ago that he's still trying to forget about exactly i you know and, and people are going what do you mean like guys try it drink drink beer constantly for, for three days and eat nothing but like nuts that you get free at the bar table and maybe you have a gherkin as well on top of that just to get some electrolytes in you and then see what comes out your ass i'll tell you from experience or just read is, the work of charles is... bukowski that was basically <laughs> exactly, his diet yeah. oh yeah yeah you don't have to do it <laughs> no, bukowski exactly. lived that life there you go. <laughs> yeah just go read bukowski way, he's yeah. not actually as imaginative as you think he is if you know his actual life he lived you know <laughs> The, the the unbelievable yeah because you also have so much gas going on so it's kind of like just propelled in light it's it's a nightmare guys it, it truly is a nightmare uh, and that's where yugi is right now in terms of his level of performance he is that type of shit. Right, here's the here's the analogy people will get this one okay. you know when you have like a power aid and it has that little sports ready. cap at the top listen it's gonna be good you know the sports yeah. cap at the top yeah. so you can drink yeah. from it but doesn't pour out yeah. have you ever have you ever had to quickly empty one of those out and it was sink you know when you squeeze yeah. it, that's what the what shit will be like coming out your ass. Why are you quickly emptying the lucrative bottle down the sink? Man, because the fucking the, the police are coming exactly. around. He's panicked. It's not just energy drinking. Fucking hell! Exactly. I didn't put any money in that powerhead. Exactly. Spray <laughs> that motherfucker down. Yep. But anyway, so uh, I'm happy for for Valde to get out, but um, and and not to have to be in IGL anymore. Uh, I think uh, Alexi B will relish working with a player like that. Assuming, assuming, of course, it is OG, which uh, it looks like it is. Uh, so, you know, happy with that move. Uh, good to see him, um, you know, coming to a team that I think is going to perform better than North, despite my trepidation about how well they're going to do overall. And then just the last sort of uh, news story I saw, that's probably worth discussing. Uh, it's kind of climbing up on Reddit right now. Uh, Jack Etienne... Uh, confirms that Cloud9 uh, will stay in CSGO. Will stay in the CSGO scene. This was a tweet from him, um, or rather a, a tweet from uh, Rush B uh, Media, where uh, Jack had said on Reddit, um, just quite simply, you know, mocking the famous, uh, you know, uh, football tweet, I stay. Right. Um, he says, we stay, details will be shared when we're ready. So it sounds like if I was a betting man, um i would say uh they're probably cutting the entire roster based on that i mean if that's i had to guess like. even though in most other games they're actually going the budget route overwatch lcs like they're literally like in lcs like uh, can you even imagine this in the history of league of legends for people who don't know cloud nine was always an elite team the entire time they were in the lcs they're now going the route of like we're going to try these younger players like that's that's literally called in league of legends for I don't have or will not spend money. Then in Overwatch, they've literally released two players that were like unreplaceable, god-tier mm. players in key positions. So that tells you again, in Overwatch, I brought in new Koreans. I'm going cheap route. So I, what I actually would guess personally is I think that what happened was they got sick of the cycle of picking up pieces that are sort of good to go with one good player, with a half good player, mm -hmm. with if this one got... And they realized, like we've said on the show, 
that approach is makes sense if you're doing fantasy football. It doesn't really make sense in Counter-Strike, though. Counter-Strike's about cores yeah. and people work together and have experience. So what I actually suspect they're doing now is reset it all, and now they're probably going to go and I would guess buy a whole team, a real team, a real lineup potentially, and that's what the move is. And by the way, I think that's the correct move. I know you had to waste a lot of money to get to this point, but if you really want to be competitive in CS, buy a whole squad. Yeah, well, I think, I, you know, by the sounds of it, that's what's going to happen. I mean, keep in mind, they dropped out of that event as well. So, uh, you know, the only player that, that you really have to say, like, we want to keep is automatic. But I mean, it might even be the case they decided to let him go. He's been a shadow of himself for a while. He not that I blame him for it. Yeah. yeah, not that I blame him for it because uh, he's he's had to play with fucking a revolving door squad, watch all his friends like go to other teams and succeed uh, and watch Cloud9 go down the shit when everybody was talking about him as being one of the best players in the world. It doesn't even feel like ancient history that we, we were saying that. Um, so, yeah, you know, Cloud9 do need to stay in CSGO, I think, but, but I agree with you. Like, if you're not going to do it properly, just don't do it. Like, you're, you're Cloud9 it's that simple you've got a you've got a fan base that expect a certain level of counter-strike you've got a large portion of your fan base for the org overall that are counter-strike fans Huge. it is one of your flagship games so either treat it with fucking respect and spend some cash or just stay out of it until the time is right uh, because half measures is disrespectful to your fan base. It's disrespectful to your own brand. It's kind of disrespectful in a way to your sponsors if you're just doing it to meet obligations to attend events and have someone like walk around like a fucking billboard with everything slathered over them. Just get a fucking good squad. There are players out there where you can build one. And also there are squads that you can buy with the money you have as proven by 100 Thieves. I mean, seriously? I wasn't enamored with the fucking Renegades move, but like if the Renegades guys had gone to Cloud9, it would have been it's still that a damn be sight better than it's still a damn sight better than what they've got now. Yes. So well, I'll also say by the way, one thing I, I remember one, one story we didn't discuss that was also reported was the whole like nip players leaving the Dignitas, but we can just do that next oh, time. That was a rumor, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, we'll wait for that to, we'll to come out. I think. Yeah, we'll pick it we'll up because uh, we got because we got the player uh, the, the patron questions to do now, so we'll yeah. we'll get into that. Uh, so, but pounder four twenty. This is the question that Duncan was alluding to right at the start. What percentage of your current body weight have you jetted in your lifetime? So, thanks, Dick Stacey. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, That's the first question he asks on date. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Are we actually going to try and do the math on it? Like, I can Google uh, the weight I, I don't of even a know. teaspoon of jet if it's really first of all. You're not yeah, going to trick me into telling you my yeah. body weight. There's step one. You're not going to get. You're not going to trick me into telling me my body weight. Secondly, I haven't given that much. Here's the thing. I don't know about you. Math. A lot of my thought involved in that whole process goes right up until the point that I start jetting, and at that point, I tend to sort of like shut off thinking. <laughs> so I try to just enjoy it. Really, I don't start going. Hmm. Two and a half teaspoons full would that be in america you know, yeah, but, you know you've like, been eating your wheat a bit <laughs> yeah, exactly. well done mate you know good aim me. as well more pressure yeah well, exactly he's like a teaspoon like, no, listen, man, I, I even purposely eat the pineapples just to make it taste better for the girls <laughs> but then i do put a bit of tobacco in because you know fucking kick treat them <laughs> the, the idea that you've ever eaten fruit <laughs> I <am>. fucking <laughs> like, like literally <laughs> when i was just watching that best of by the numbers that come out and you were going what sort of demented oh, cunt came up with toffee apples i was like some people do like fruit no, no. yeah in the fucking bible <laughs> <laughs> no i do eat pineapple when it's on pizza though 
Ooh. Oh, oh my god! Oh my <laughs> god! Holy <laughs> shit! Let's let's have an identity based around pizza toppings, daft cunts. This is the most disappointing <laughs> one. You know what? You know what, guys? I'm going to say one thing right now that's going to hurt you all. Why did we bring a pie Are you ready? Yeah. The current Star Wars trilogy is the Star Wars trilogy you deserve. That's your Star. That's who <laughs> you are as Star Wars. You know what? I'll take it on the chin. We're the shit cunt prequels. None of us are the 70s, much beloved original trilogy, but you're the fucking mm. Force Awakens. That's who you fans are. People who have opinions based on pizza toppings, who go big oof, ooh, yikes, oh, that age, well, but yeah, like, it's like, are you literally a character in an old school RPG who has forced things they can say? Like, I don't want to know the way to Kakariko Village. I told you before. <laughs> I'm not even playing that. I'm playing fucking Metal Gear Solid. You're playing fucking Zelda. Snake. Like, no more references. There's too many stats yeah, on top of each other. Way. So anyway, um, then we're burning man into you. Yeah, <laughs> Duncan Thorin Shields in Outburst says Zoomers deserve Admiral Gender Studies. <laughs> there you go. That's quite a headline, uh, right? the serious That's question. Actually better from than Anthony, they do though. That's the problem, isn't it? It's too good a headline. <laughs> Uh, the, the serious question from Butt Pounder was, are you guys going to do something special for episode 100? Thorin mentioned that some of the long-form questions should be dedicated to a special show. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on some of the questions I have queued up in my notes list. So we've got a bit of a weird situation because episode 100 is also going to, like, a, a fall before our Christmas special and then, like, our New Year's special. Right. So everything we're doing is going to be special yeah. in, in, in some way. So we might have like what we did last time for christmas was we had anders and moses on and uh, maybe maybe we do that and get get the guys on again uh maybe we have some different uh, people on uh you know get henry on you know we'll, we'll think of some maybe maybe we go mental and get like eight people on all at once and it's just like watching a fucking raj royale or something yeah. maybe we do Revolving a cs go raj royale where you ask questions and we've and, and all the talent has to vote people off based on the shit answers. We could we could come up with anything. So we'll we'll have a think, we'll put our heads together. But we are gonna do something special uh for the for the hundredth episode. Um and we'll do something special for Christmas and we'll do something special for New Year's. Fuck yeah. Um yeah, so <laughs> mate, Duncan, you play no part in the creative process. I don't, I don't know why you're true. fucking around. Up, you literally just turn up and go, Pineapple, <laughs> you mad cunts. That's like your entire no, life. Transfer so. me my share of the Patreon, please. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. So I got Speak of the devil, Anders has literally just messaged oh, me. God. So let's see what let's see what fucking drugs he's on today. Let's see what um, happened in Canadian parliamentary fucking open hearings yeah, today. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so we'll 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 get to that anyway. Uh, hang on, let me get back to the uh, questions. Um, so yeah, we, we will do something special, but I've no idea what it is yet, buddy. Some made raisin says, "How do pro players react to treat other players who are dominating, like Kenny S, Simple Zwu?" All of those cunts. I mean, generally, right? Here's here's what happens. If you're an, if you're a relatively unknown or new player and you're dominating, you're a cheat. And they are, and and pro players are worse for this than anyone else in Outrageous, the scene. Worse yeah. than analysts. Worse than the average Reddit pleb. If you here's don't thing, think that's true, just out. look at Zwu. Oh, by the way, this is the worst thing about them. If you want to know the distinction, mm. like, listen, plebs are bad as they are because they start, like, studying, like, a fucking Twitch clip like it was the Zapruder film. But the, the way that pros are worse is pros will do it after they just get out of the first match playing you. Like, they play you in one mm. match and they just thought... They do, what a, they do what a noob does in matchmaking. You know when you play with your mate in matchmaking who's bad 
and he thinks everyone cheats. Like, he thinks the guy who can just basically, like, fucking jiggle people must be cheating. Like, that's what they do. They just get orped by a guy 20 times in a map that they've never heard of, and they go, he's fucking cheating. It's like, you haven't watched, like, one of his demos as well? Or, like, what, figured out who he is? So I agree. They're, they're so fast on the trigger, it's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, and, and, you know, it happened with Rops. Uh, JW uh, even at the beginning of CSGO? Yeah, it, it, you know, it happened. I mean, I will say, listen, JW. Happened with Stewie. To some degree, you're my boy, but I will say, even I put 15% of my brain aside for the fact you might have cheated then. Just saying. <laughs> Congrats on all the majors, but I don't know if you Well, no, but you, re you remember, you remember that, you, you remember that Swedish team. You know, just yeah. through being a genius. I feel like you, you used to be able to see them there, and you just kind of know yeah. when they might be. I'm just saying. Yeah, you the do idea. remember obviously that Virtus Pro. Uh, Mill. Yeah, where where uh, Pasha? I think Pasha did the stream, didn't he? When I I confronted them in a nightclub and they said they definitely they did cheat and they said sorry, so it's all good now. Even though, again, Pasha, same thing for you, mate. You're my boy, but any story which involves you confronting a bunch of Swedish nerds with no chins in a mm. fucking nightclub with an possibly aggressive They'll say anything. <laughs> and saying, would you admit to having done this or I will kill you? I feel like in that moment, a lot of people would admit to a lot of shit they never did. Yeah. Yep. Everything. At least, at least say, he didn't do a cold zero. At least he didn't do a cold zero. So I confronted him in a nightclub and they started crying. And he's like, so uh, I yeah, win. So, so they're the asshole. So generally, this is how it goes down. So if you're an unknown or you're relatively new, you're a cheat. And they all sort of smirk behind your back and say you shouldn't be in teams. And they mock you in FPL games. And they spread rumors among themselves. And it's really hard to get a get an opportunity. They even talk disparagingly about your teammates going like, well, they're just relying on a cheater to win their games. Yep. You know, that's that's another common thing. But then when you do prove yourself, the, the amount of dick sucking that goes on, it goes complete like 180. It goes the other way. Like... The, there was a period of time where like you know even even other pro players fanboy a little bit over the really really good players in the game like and and want to want to play with them in fpl want to like queue up with them and stuff want to talk to them at events and hang out and have drinks and if you see the sort of natural extension of that it's like nico and cold zero you know that level of narcissism where it's like oh i'm i'm a good player he's a good player too we're somehow kindred spirits um so generally in my experience players are um are kind of tough on new talent, but once it's proven at LAN, uh, they kind of ease off and they basically are like, you know, hey, you're one of us now, you know, you've you've taken your licks. It's probably a little bit like wrestling. You get your beats, you get your potatoes, and then eventually you get to go over and, and you become the face of the company and all the jobbers uh, and all the other people that were working in, in the in the back room all fucking love you and all want to work out with you in the gym and stuff like that now. So um, that, that's that been true in my experience. It might be a different culture now. Remember, I haven't been going to events for like, what, coming on for two years now. So maybe the culture's changed, but that's how it always was for the preceding like 18 fucking years or whatever it was. Also, uh, to give a different angle, just because most of what you should say there, I'd absolutely agree with. I, I would mm. just say the other way I'd contextualize it when you're talking about people like, as you say, Kenny as Simple, who are at the absolute peak, and the idea is, like, particularly some of those names could be the best, but not on the best team. First of all, as long as you don't have the bad Simple attitude, once he fixed it, there's a reason why people started praising him who were pros once he fixed his attitude. That was what held them back in the past from crediting him. So once he didn't have that holding him back, 
I always thought it was cool as fuck that actually Astralis even would acknowledge he was the best. Like they were winning the tournament, but they would go, you know what? Hats off, he is the best player. So I think players generally will be fair in that regard. It's just the problem is if you're at all an arsehole to them or combative with them, they also will totally go the other way and downplay you. Like, for example, yeah. they'll claim that. Like, I've, I've told this story in the video I made about them fucking wrecking Zewu and Vitality. The most ridiculous story ever to me was when LDLC slash Envious had the team with shocks and Kenny S was on Titan carrying, right? And they used to literally try to talk me down that Kenny S wasn't good and be like, mm. he's just, you know, they just give him everything and set him up. But if he ever came to our team, we'd never do that. Little did they know, you know, months later, they had to recruit him and then build the whole team around him and win a major off him. So, like, like the players can definitely be, I wouldn't say two-faced, they can just be, like, overly uh, emotionally attached to whether or not they'll then analyse the player properly. And there's a lot of bullshit like that goes on as well. So, like, I think, personally, one of the reasons Nico didn't get quite the pop that Kenny S and Simple did when he was hard carrying with shit players is because... The perception, I assume, was when he was young. I was, I guess, he was probably a bit of a rage, a bit of an intense guy, or mm. maybe you know, I mean, you know the way he is. The way he complains is a bit tactless. So I'm sure a lot of players yeah. didn't like him at the beginning, and he had to win them over. So they they can, on the one hand, be incredibly fair and very magnanimous, like I'm saying with Astralis, and on the other hand, they can be incredibly petty and so unfair, actually, and not even acknowledge that another pro's doing better than them in the game. So it's a very mixed bag, depending on the circumstances, like a lot of human relationships for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, Reykjavik on Steam says, now that Liquid will have to flight with Ents and immediately have to play a match because TOs are being cunts again, should TOs invest in teleportation technology now so this doesn't happen? I mean, what I, what I will say is, obviously it's a joke question, but uh, but I'll just add, this, um, like, can we can we just make 2020 the year you have the fucking death match? Because I'm, I'm sick of this fucking pathetic TO, we hate each other, the community like react, or we'll work it out, we'll sit in a Skype group, we'll discuss each other's dates and calendars. Have the fucking fight to the death, let's just do it. Just actually go all in and putting your fucking uh, business rivals out of business. Do whatever dirty tactics you have to do. Just Can there just be a victor? Because this perpetual fucking war, it's getting ridiculous now. It's like fucking, you know what I mean? It's, it's like American occupation of a, a, Iraq and Afghanistan. People just want, I just want the TOs to come home. I just want them to, I just want it to end. You know, can we stop? Can we, can we have a fucking, can we actually have a circuit that makes sense? Because right now we don't. And we're going into this thing next year where we're going to have all these leagues and people are having to sign up. And ESL wanted exclusivity for their league and then Valve hit them with the stick and said no. So what happens now? You know, like what's going to happen in 2020? Does it get better? Does it get worse? Is anyone going to play nice? Like just fucking, just do what you have to do to think you're going to come out on top. And let's stop pussyfooting around and doing all this stupid shit where you sit in a Skype group and you go, oh, no, we've just had to move our dates to the same weekend as your event. Oh, it's unforeseeable. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, well, we're absolutely hard stuck to those dates. We've hired a venue, they say, two days before changing the dates that they were supposedly hard stuck for when they realized that no negotiation could be had. The stuff that goes on behind the scenes with TOs is so phenomenally petty. And the only people that actually suffer in the end, it's never your business rivals. You never dick them hard enough that they don't come back. It's just us. It's just the fans of the game, the talent who, by the way, 
this is an extension actually if you saw henry's tweets uh he did which fair enough he did make them after he'd had a few shandies in texas right but um he did put out a very good tweet which was it is impossible as a member of the freelance talent pool to plan your life because they cannot even tell you what dates you're going to work three months in advance they cannot tell you I had that's how shit and disorganized happened. it is where one year because i hadn't heard back from esl I just assumed because I'd only ever done one tournament for them since I'd come back at that point in time, which was the major when it was the ESL one call in 2016. And because for 2017 it wasn't a major, I didn't know what did the only hire me because it was a major. Was that the beef at mm. the squash? You know. So what happened was, or maybe I did New York as well, but whatever. Basically, they didn't contact me until something like two and a half weeks or three weeks out from ESL Cologne. And so even though, yes, Cologne will always be one of the premier titles on the calendar. I, I've told this story before. I'd booked a, like a, a fucking gig for a whole bunch of people for a band I'd always wanted to see in a specific place that was already playing on that one fucking day. So I had to literally tell ESL, like, listen, normally I'd say, yeah, fuck it, I'll cancel a normal gig, but I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm actually just going to go to this one gig and, by the way, give up all the fucking thousands and thousands I would have made doing the event because I have to have a life eventually, mate. I can't just say for 25 years to everyone, sorry, I have no idea what I'm doing next week. Well, which days is it? Well, well it could be Friday or Saturday. Well, which is it? Friday, Saturday. Well, I won't know until, well, until when, until Friday or Saturday. Like, I can't live my life that way. Like, eventually I have to have a life as well. Yeah, but it's like, you know, the, 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 the fucked up thing is as well, like, again, the average fucking Reddit pleb and the average fan, it's like, if you, you don't quit up, if you don't like it, fuck off. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't even going to go with that, which, oh. yes, they do say that. I was going to go with the angle of, you know, they, they, they don't realize the fucking stupidity that sort of goes into sometimes making the decision that they make. Like, for example, I'm sure if I had Henry here right now, he'd tell you, yeah, he fucking, he spent something insane, like, it was like 300 days on the road out of a year uh because what happens is you don't go to two or three events and everyone forgets you exist and says you're irrelevant and says you don't get invited to events anymore and makes reddit threads criticizing you and then tos are so fucking pathetic they look at the reddit threads and that starts informing their decision about who they're gonna hire we must only hire popular figures and and you have to listen to this nonsense about how you don't matter anymore it's like it, it's all people have said about me like even these fucking games journalists plebs say it like oh richard lewis doesn't get invited anymore I, I still get invited even though i have made it abundantly clear i have quit going to events and don't do them anymore still get invited still get called up like oh anything we can do to change your mind it's just not worth it's just not worth it for me like for, for the for the few thousand dollars that you make on top of the travel and the stress and the fucking chances of meeting a lunatic deranged fan which i see increasing you know an increasing frequency but a lot of the talent can't do it because you have to be a little bit narcissistic and egotistical to do the job and they never want to be thought of as irrelevant it's their time they must take the event so they put themselves in this like ridiculous situation you, you would just think that the fucking tos would sort of at least be able to tell you like here's what the next six months look like that isn't you know it's not fucking radical at all but we still can't do it in esports and and uh freelance talent suffers immensely because of it um for me not going to events definitely the right decision like i think about what i achieved over the last year i'm happier i'm healthier uh I've, I've made more money i've built up my own brand more because i've been able to focus on it i've built up my community i've got my journalism back to a standard where i can break the big stories and i, and, and I like the work that i'm doing my youtube channel's growing i'm putting out content regularly i couldn't do any of these things if i was going to an event every weekend to sort of quiet and quell the voice in my mind you're fading into irrelevancy you're fading into irrelevancy look at the reddit threads i'm making people are lying saying you don't get invited to events anymore you must go to an event like fuck all that it's not 
not even worth it. And then you have to deal with the TOs and chase fucking payments. By the way, I meant to do this last podcast and I just forgot. When they talk about the TO that isn't paying, star ladder. There you go. Fucking run with that. Fuck those cunts. I'm so sick and tired of talent saying like, oh, these guys aren't paying. These guys aren't paying. And I know who it is. And then the, the talent won't fucking call them out. Yeah, it's star ladder the whole time. Fucking suck my dick. You fucking cunts. Start paying people what you fucking owe. You've you, you got a backlog of fucking months, and we all know it, and it's about time we fucking dropped a dime. Pay, pay what you fucking do. It's ridiculous that people are keeping your dirty little secret. Get it paid. Right, next question. Alice the Alchemist. With the continuous dominance in every tournament that Astralis exerts over all their nearest rivals, do you think, uh, do you both think that Magisk is the best free agent pickup that has happened in competitive history? Is there another example you can think of, or is that only part of the equation of why they are the best in the world? I think undoubtedly, when you consider <coughs> yes, Magisk was a fucking, um, uh, Magisk was a fucking uh, free agent. And was kind of dangling, and and, and uh, you know, people were saying like, "Ooh, is, is it going to work?" Because he looked great. Pickup, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it looked he looked great in SK at, at points, and then you know, it kind of like went a bit weird, and you know, people were were still wondering whether or not he was actually going to deliver the goods. Uh, yeah, no, but before that, he was in SK. Oh, sure. He? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people were kind of wondering, like, you know, and plus he had a bit of a reputation because he, he got heated in games, yeah, you know, absolutely. notoriously. Everyone does the tomato meme, but a lot of people used to equate that to anger and stuff like that. And really, it's just he fucking he, he plays with his heart, man. He's like he's fully invested. He's all in. The game matters. Um, and uh, yeah, like I mean, for me, I can't think of a better free agency pickup. He he was the missing piece, incredibly. Astralis had all the pieces already and probably could have made them work they lost a big piece and then they replaced it with an unknown piece and then became the best team in csgo of all time so the fact that he was a free agent pickup is is insane. the thing is though that like the reason why i might not put him at number one is mm. because the one problem i have with that is the rest of the team was also really fucking solid players who all fit together three of them played together for six years blah blah, blah etc so it's not like like him joining was the last piece but it's not like he brought the biggest piece of the of the puzzle. So, for example, an obvious one off the top of my head was when Fnatic picked up Crimson Olofmeister. Like, the difference is, those guys powered all those fucking majors and championships. That's like adding Ronaldo to your team, you know? This one's more like you added, like, you, also, you already had a team that was, like, the th third best in the world, and you just added, like... A fucking top 10 striker but not the absolute best you had a good player but you know so i would say it, it depends how we want to like quibble over the criteria but it's definitely up there and I, I think probably crimson off my it, it was a package deal at the time i don't know that might be the best for me because it took a, a franchise that was going to go down the pan and made that's it the true. best you know yeah that's a good shout as well see this is why you're the esports historian exactly tm uh next uh, next question uh comes from mike feed me uh, would you consider a special episode where you bring on some talent and our players on as guests on the show? That's a very nice, easy question. We already answered it. Thanks very much. Uh, love you. I love the fact they've started streaming now as well. Uh, Delph Insomniac, on a scale of Cold Zero best player to Epstein, didn't kill himself. What even is this? <laughs> uh, on a scale of Cold Zero best player to Epstein, didn't kill himself. I'm not even finishing this sentence, Detlef. You do realize where I live. I can't, can't do it. Um, just, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for thanking me for the award. And let's never... 
send me a question like that again on Discord, which is a monitored medium and is going to get me put on some sort of fucking FBI <laughs> list. Uh, thanks, Detlef. Uh, Watch Doge says, uh, on this week's Browns watch, it looks like Baker Mayfield gained at least two stones since the beginning of the season. What an absolute mess. Yeah, let me tell not, you. Not in his fucking jock, he didn't. No, he definitely didn't. Uh, no, the, the 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 reality is uh, with Baker Mayfield. I, listen, I don't think it's due to lack of work or lack of training. I almost think I almost think he's bulking up because he keeps getting fucking hit, and I, I think he's trying to like make himself a little bit more robust. I think he might actually be part of like a serious like concerted effort to try and like not get wrecked because he's not getting he's not getting pocket protection now it doesn't matter if he had pocket protection motherfucker's arm is just all over the place he's got an overthrow like virtually no one else in the league but um he uh they are dealing with a lot of issues in that team and he's he's in the middle of them you know what I mean? He's not like the number one problem. Uh, he's definitely not a solution, but he's not the he's not the number one problem. But yeah, he, he's definitely put on some beef. But I think he's done it on purpose. Um, I would also say as well, at, at this point, I don't know what his commercial obligations are. But Stephen A. Smith finally ran with my material and said today, like or yesterday, whatever it was, Baker Mayfield's got more commercials than he's got touchdown passes. There which, you go. Is, which, but you know, it's straight fire and it's all true. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, like I think, um, if you if you watch a Browns game and, like I say, I watch them religiously because they're comedy, he gets hit quite a bit, man. And I'm telling you, like you you can't be you can't keep taking those those hits and those knocks. Just look at Andrew um, Luck's career, mate. Yeah, exactly. You can't Luck's keep taking edge. those hits and those knocks and be like a you know like it's okay if you're a Ben fucking Roethlisberger and you're like five thousand pounds and like you're just a unit. Like people hit you and you just yeah whatever. I'll, 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 you know. All right. So thanks very much to everybody who uh, asked the question. Remember, if you give uh, fifty dollars or more uh, as a patron, you too can be part of the show and immortalized in history with your ridiculous questions. Uh, that half the time we have to timestamp them out because you're all a bunch of edgy fuckwits. Uh, love to you all. Uh, so shout out to com. Obviously, we've got loads of events coming into in twenty twenty, and they're going to be uh, running. You know, uh, bets for them all. And they got this special offer right now, where if you deposit up to a hundred dollars, they'll match that deposit. So you essentially double your money to have some flutters on like esl and and, and everything else um that's coming up so definitely go check that out just go make an account anyway and uh, use my referral code rls uh, there you go uh so shout out to great sponsors to work with the carrigan interview is going to be coming like i say today or tomorrow so keep an eye on the youtube channel yes go subscribe there shout out to all our patrons our hundred dollar patrons jerky's minion alice the alchemist choke me daddy god magic Rekovic on steam and our 50 dollar patrons benakagi assassin but pounder 420 carve colin penny flaxsmith j dubs lipscomb davis what the fuck is that uh welcome to the club mate uh madsen marcus kiampa mike feed me nemesis Nikolai Lundgren, not Nikolai Nyholm, that would have been a fucking banger. Uh, Saad Sawar, Sunmade Raisins, TC Owens, Tobias Bernasconi, and Watch Doge. Thanks to you all. Thanks to everybody that chips in. Thanks to all the people who subscribed while we were doing this show and donated. I see you. I appreciate you. And I hope I'll see you back for the 100th episode uh, of the return of By the Numbers. Until then, take care of yourselves.